you now? This is Shane O'Keefe here on Scoreline Extra, a podcast condensing down all the interviews that we conducted on Scoreline at the weekend and over eight hours of sports coming your way. That, of course, included live sport as well. We'll hear post-match reaction for Derek Ling and Dara Egan and Wexford back Liam Ryan after that special night down in Chadwick's Wexford Park. And, of course, coming up first will be the Ballyhale Shamrocks post-match reaction as Pat Hoban, TJ and Richie Reid all caught up with Brendan Hennessy pitchside at Crow Park. We'll hear a bit later on from Neve Talon from Her Sport about the developments happening in women's sport along with Rob Hartnett from Sport for Business who has a very interesting take on Middle Eastern investment in Western sports and indeed the Manchester United takeover. Joe Sheehan provides an update on all things Greyhound racing and we'll be bringing you interviews with the All-Ireland winning manager Mr Christy Walsh at the launch of the Kilkenny Football Championship. But first, there's only really one place to start, and that's with Ballyhale Shamrock securing their ninth All-Ireland title. Pat, listen, well done. I suppose we'll have to jump off the field in a minute. The football is there. But listen, congratulations. Splendid in the end. Finished. Did well when you had to, but a, a tough battle. Absolutely tough battle. I suppose you have to put that down to July and their ability to stay at it. They worried us with their pace. You know, I suppose we, we wouldn't have been happy with some of our play. I thought, you know, we were we were loose in possession at times and, you know, we, were, we, we failed to push on the scoreboard. But when it mattered most, we kept our nose in front and those couple of points at the end just, just gave us that little bit of cushion. Oh, yeah, tough match. <laughs> Oh, very, very tough. Like in conditions, you can, you're here live. Like the pitch is not great. I think it led to a lot of uh, rocks and you know, sort of sometimes poor touch. But a very, very tough game. Um, like as I said, Dunlay really came. They threw everything at us, and you have to give the boys absolutely savage credit to come through that uh, again with, with such style in the end. Yeah, a great team performance. But Ronnie just was saying the commentary. Your younger players really, really did well today, Pat. They did, yeah. Like you know, we, we, we as you know, we lost Adrian. Massive loss, being a massive player for the for the team, uh, you know. So you're, you're, we, Killian Corcoran had been injured the last day. Came in, did a fantastic job. Uh, Owen Keneally, you know, again one of the the less known players on the team. I thought he was magnificent there today. Came to midfield and really took the challenge to the boys. Yeah, some great individual performance as well. At a vital time, Owen stepped up, finished with one five. I think man of the match performance. Not all about one player, but certainly contributed brilliantly. Yeah, no, one had a savage game and lucky possibly for another goal as well. Uh, you know. Owen is one of the top players in the country and it's great to see them doing it on the biggest stage of all. You're a happy man. Very, very happy. Privileged, happy, delighted, relieved. Uh, you name it, all of those things. A fantastic day and great to be part of it. Listen, I'm delighted for you. Enjoy the celebrations and well done. You're a great hurling man and congratulations to you, yourself, your family in the whole and well done Shamrocks. Well done Shamrocks. Thanks for the chance to be part of this and it's just just uh, dream come true stuff. So thanks for all your help as well and coverage and uh, make Kilkenny have a good year during the summer as well. Okay, Thank you very much. Thanks so many. Well done, good man. TJ and Richie Reid with me, TJ, congratulations. Yeah. It's, it's your sixth, I think, is it? Or seven? Uh, uh, six, uh, yeah, well, I'll take seven if you give it to me. Well, listen, well done, it was tremendous, it was a tough battle. Very tough battle, and um, I have to say, look, I don't lie, um, they worked endlessly at last, probably 59th minute, and we just, I suppose, fitness, fitness levels there with Niall Acey over the last year, we were in prime condition, I think we, we opened up in the last probably five minutes, but... Um, when it was important to do so. Yeah, we did, and it was just a game where it was a dangerous game because you can never get away from it. We were two points, three points, four points, got back to three, two. We never really um, opened them up. Um, 
but oh, that's all credit to Dunloy. Um, they worked extremely hard. They had a sweeper, they've been a very difficult for us. They had a sweeper, they had numbers back. They're running the ball back out from the fence. And then we, our half backs, then pushed up a small bit and we got the overlaps then. We weren't quite doing that in the first half. Paddy Mullen and the boys were hitting balls from 80, 90 yards back and it wasn't really working. We thought we might get a few balls early into Colin and that. And it was working because we could have had maybe one or two goal chances in the first half as well. But um, look, to be back here, redemption is sweet. It certainly is. Richie is which as well. Richie, well done. You have the trophy in your hand there, but yes. uh, a great day. It's not like last year anyway, so we forget about last year. It's this year, and it's nine titles for Shamrocks. So well done on that, and well done on your own personal performance yeah. also. Thanks, yeah. It's a sweet one, all right. Uh, especially after last year, just the devastation. Just uh, We came back this year, we had, got new management there, and our main focus was winning Kilkenny, and then after that was Leinster, and then we met Ballygunner then in the semi-final, and that was a massive battle. And we just wanted to get back here and prove that we're, we prove we wanted to get back here and win again. You said to Ronnie on commentary, you love the number 22. You scored 22 points in a lot of matches this year, but the goal added today anyway, but well done. Yeah, it did already. Look, probably had around another three or four goal chances there as well, which slowly blocked their great saves, but look, we're at target there every game, like we were going for our targets, 25 points there, so look, we got 22 points there today, which is great, but like, just every every game we tried to get that mark and get 25 points for the forwards that we have. Another great day for the club, another great day for the Reid family, loads more All-Ireland medals heading for Ballyhale. Yeah, it is sweet, alright, yes. Yeah. When we finish up our days hurling and that, we'll think back all the stuff that we have to win in there. But look, at the minute, we're just enjoying it there, hurling and winning there. Thanks for that, Richard. TJ, as games go, I won't delay you. I know you have to get back over there. Yeah. All the finals you've played in club finals, was that one of the toughest? Um, no, no, they're all tough. Um, they're all tough. Um, obviously, memories, um, I'm only going back. Um, the cast year was, was tough as well. Maybe yeah. though we lost an old winning today. And we had savage battles with Portumna over the years. Um, St. Thomas is there, um, Boris and E. Um, all our learning finals are tough. But today was tough, yeah, because it was difficult, as I said, they played with a sweeper, they played with numbers back, um, back down the field. Um, but yeah, and, but, but we knew it was going to be tough because we, they bet St. Thomas's, they bet Slough Neil. We played those teams in the last three years and we struggled to beat them. So we knew today and reason why we won by seven points in the end because we respected him 100% we watched videos of him because obviously we wouldn't know of the players as such as we would down here because they're up there hurling away in Dunloy so we had to give massive massive respect that we did we, uh, last two weeks there's video clips going in analysis being done and we had to do a homework seriously on him because as I said they went there very good hurling team ok well listen I won't delay you well done on it, the victory I'll probably see you at the dinner dance and well done yeah, fair play thanks very much thanks, 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 thanks Richie thanks, Thank you. Sorry, hi, me, boy. How are you leave? Now we're joined by Evan Shefflin and Dean Mason. Evan, congratulations, another medal for you. How many is that for you now? Three. Should three. be four, but three. Four. <laughs> Listen, well done. A great win in the end, but tough. Yeah, look, we knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into today with Dunley, you know, fantastic team. Smashing herders as well and like, you know. They were there the whole way towards the end. I think that hurling maybe just kicked in and like an e- literally an extra time, like you know. So that's that's how good they were. They pinned us to our collar 
the whole way and look we're just absolutely delighted to get another one well well done you had a fine performance yourself yeah I don't know I, well, well, Lufthine, well done I know one went past you but not too many went past you no, one, 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 one is bad enough in the final but well, we got there anyway that's the main still, thing you're happy oh yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. how difficult was it uh, some of the lads on the pitch wasn't terrific but what was it like for you uh, it was tough it was very tough like the intensity that Dunlai brought and the physical side of it too like, and the running ability and the running game that they're able to play is very good also so we knew that it wasn't going to be a walk in the park and we knew that we have to keep our composure keep doing the things we've been doing all year and we just kept doing that towards the very end and that's how we got us over the line that's your third medal as well that's my third medal as well yeah. a long way to go now to get another six like Keisha and the boys hopefully hopefully keep the head down and we'll see how it goes yeah, keep the ball rolling I'll try I'll try I'll try well boys Crowd. Would you leave that? What's that? I couldn't get down with the crowd. Oh, yeah. Derek, it wasn't a win. It was a fantastic occasion for the GAA, for Wexford Hurling. They got to look in the end, I suppose, and you were probably unlucky you didn't win the match. For me, that's why I'd look at it. Yeah, look, I, yeah, we didn't win it, and it's disappointing. And, uh, you know, when you get to that stage in the game, I thought we probably had one or two chances maybe ourselves, and just a little bit of composure. But look, I have to say the, the effort from everybody, again, has been, has been fantastic. We've got a good look at... A lot of players now, and um, you know the, the Welsh Cup has certainly it's, has served its purpose. And, and tonight was a great experience for a lot of those players to come down and you know have a packed house at this time of year. It was a great experience, and um, you know that will stand to us as well. What did you ten subs? Was it? Were you allowed ten? Yeah, you're allowed to make as many subs as you can. Okay. And and look, and in, in some cases we just had to make them because lads are working hard and lads are tired and there's cramps and colleges. some lads have nick- yeah and there's colleges like it's a. It's a balancing act at the minute, and you can't. There's just no point in taking chances with fellas. You know, we want we want lads fit in the next few weeks, and um, sometimes when you make a lot of changes, it can kind of take the shape away from your team. But I thought the lads, in fairness, they were barely tuned in, and you know, for maybe for a few minutes, it disrupted things. But you know, we got back into the flow of the game, and thought we were finishing really well, and we had a couple of chances, as you said. But um, yeah, and then we were hit with, with the goal, and look at that's. That's the way it happens, and you know um, that's a good learning for lads as well. You know, um, so we'll it's January hurling, but this night yeah, brought yeah. a whole new meaning to the Welsh Cup, didn't it? The way they operate over fifteen thousand people here. Wexford now have said, "Well, we've beaten Kilkenny in the Welsh Cup. You have to win the league, and you're going to have to win the championship." So yeah. interesting times ahead, Derek. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, look at Wexford working hard as well at the minute. So, I mean, they've got the win today. Obviously, we're disappointed we haven't. And um, yeah, um, you're still not out though. We're still not out at the minute. No, we we'll wait to see what happens tomorrow. But look, we're planning it. We're planning ahead that we're back training next week, and we'll just crack on. It's a bonus if we get to Crow Park next week. If we're not, we're not. Uh, we have to get ready for Antrim the week after because that will be you know, that will be a big test up in Belfast. Yeah, I just said it to you last week. This is really the start now because if you are playing next week, there's no rest for the weekend. It's it's week in, week out. Yeah, and it's been a bit of a look. It's with players, and it's a bit of a balancing act as well. We've a lot of players that weren't involved tonight. Some niggles, some lads coming back from sickness and that, and we're trying to give them a chance and um, just to be right for the next few weeks because we've a lot of games coming up. So it's um, it's obviously Fitzgibbon on midweek. So it's a, it really gets to the weekend before you can kind of figure out who who you, how lads are feeling and and um, you know just get I suppose updated reports from medical teams as well and just making sure that you know you have a 20 you have 26 fit lads coming into it okay. still the Shamrocks lads come back as well obviously they have a huge day tomorrow so you yeah. know that's a big thing as well yeah for sure yeah so they'll come back in their own time and look we'll, we'll I suppose that's something we'll discuss with them next week you know some of them will need a break and some others then we'll you know we'll, we'll take a look at in time as well um, give them an opportunity but um, yeah it'll be good to you know the more players we have coming back 
Like at the start of it all, we just want a competitive panel. That's the goal for this time of year, and you know, I think I think we're going to have that. Okay, and before I do let you go, I think looking at you, listening to you, you've taken a lot of positives out of tonight, albeit losing by four points, but a positive night hurling from Kilkenny and everybody getting a fair crack at a whip and everyone giving their all. Yeah, look, I'm really delighted with the effort, and um, and sometimes things don't go your way. At the end of it, we weren't on the. So as we didn't get the break at the end, that's the way it goes. And uh, Wexford deserved a win. There, there, you know, that's that's the way it is. And uh, it's we'll take we'll take some positives, some negatives away from it. But there's plenty to work on, and that's okay. There'll be a few fireworks here in a few weeks' time, I think, will there? Yeah, look, when we come back down here again, it'll be different, and obviously it'll be, there'll be a lot more at stake. And um, so, look, it's always a difficult place to come. Always was, and. Um, That'll be a challenge in its own right when, when the time comes. Okay, well, hopefully it works out for next Saturday, Eric, and we look forward to bringing all the league coverage here on KSLR 96. Thanks for your kind words tonight, and thanks Great. for your time. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Eric. Sound. I'm with Wexford manager Darry Egan after his side's 125 to 218 victory at Chadwick's Wexford Park against Kilkenny in the Walsh Cup. Darry, uh, delighted with the result and the performance? Delighted with the result anyway, I suppose. Delighted with the last three or four minutes. Um, just up to that, uh, we did some really, really good things, but we gave Kilkenny and we gave Kilkenny loads of chance. We coughed up some poor scores, but I must say Kilkenny were so efficient in front of goals. Um, they really, really took their chance as well, and they were running that as the numbers. And uh, uh, it was look, it was a great, great tussle for the 21st of January. I've no doubt now Kilkenny are going to work their way through the league, and they'll be a real force come Leinster Championship time. Was this the perfect challenge for your side, considering the whole sort of occasion, the full house in Wexford Park, and the fact that you maybe you got as good a game as you're going to get in the Walsh Cup? Yeah, it was absolutely ideal. Sure, look, even like Sean Stack, he, he did a good job in it. It was a very, very tough game to, to riff because it was so so intense for this time of year. Look, there was lots of mistakes, a few lads, you know, a few balls dropped and few few thing, few wrong things done, but that's that's absolutely brilliant for uh, you know it's good practice for this time of year and uh, we're really looking forward to kicking off the league here on the 4th of February so um, yeah thankful to Kilkenny for a great 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 encounter and uh, it's good to get that kind of a tussle this, in the 21st of January and just generally for and just generally for Wexford Hurling there what does this whole occasion mean I mean it just seemed to mean a lot to the people of Wexford yeah, it did. Look, the county board have done a great job in promoting this over the last few months. Uh, even see with the art competition, a lot of our lads are, you know, they, they generate an art competition all around the county and, and it worked very well. And um, it, it was marketed very well. We sold out all the tickets and uh, it's, it's after being a great event. It's it's probably something that, the, you know, we could look at year in, year out. Next year we go to Kilkenny, same fixture and, and bring in a local charity or something like that and, and, and use these games because people love going to games. Like you look at McKenna Cup football up in up in Ulster there's 10,000 plus at the games people want an event to go to I'm sure they were pleased by what they saw here this evening and uh, it's something that we should maybe pencil into the calendar for year on year, on, year out Is it better for you as a manager and as a management team as well to get to see your players in front of a big crowd which will be the case of course come league and championship time Absolutely and even look some of our younger lads we three under 20s finished the game there and finished it really really well and, and that's exactly what we, we need to see you can do the six or seven weeks training and pre-season all you want but until you see them in there you know with the likes of Parry Walsh with Tom Phelan with with uh, with um, Bill Sheehan and these lads until you, until you see them in that kind of action and that kind of environment and how they cope with it uh, a manager couldn't ask for any more this time of year and so uh, yeah as I said looking forward to the Alliance League from now and now looking forward to the Alliance National Hurling League I suppose that's the first port of call uh, what are your hopes going into that one 
yeah, we, we, we performed very well in the year in the league last year. We won five from five. I we're we're not going to be as strong all throughout our group group games this year, but we will attack them as best we can. But ultimately I suppose twenty first of April is the date we have in, in our heads. Um while we'll go at the league, we'll uh, we'll we'll be using loads of different players and we'll look into loads of different uh, different panelists and some of the younger lads. So it's gonna be an interesting two or three months now. And then into the Leinster Championship, of course, last year you were all Ireland quarter finalists had a famous victory in Nolan Park against Kilkenny to get to that quarter final. What are your hopes this year? Is it trying maybe break into that top two and make a Leinster final or do you just take it game by game? Yeah, no, definitely. Look, we we uh, we we had a tough up in Mullingar and it probably kept us out of the Leinster final as it transpired, but we found it tough to watch the Leinster final, even though Kilkenny had a good win. Uh, we found it tough to watch because we felt we should have been there, but it was our own fault we weren't there. So definitely a target to get to a Leinster final and win a Leinster final this year. And it has to be a target for this group. You know, they, they won in 2019, but uh, some, of, some of our senior statesmen, they want to finish their careers with as many medals as possible. And, and uh, a Leinster title is, is one of those uh, medals that they want to win. So yeah, really looking forward to it. It's a long way away, and there's loads of loads of loads of games to be played between now and then. But uh, thankful that we got a good, a really good game here on the 21st of January. And you enjoy it yourself, Jarrah. I suppose there's probably extra pressure in the second year in charge of an inter-county team. But you seem to be really embracing the whole um, kind of fanfare that comes with being the Wexford hurling manager. Well, yeah, it was pure fanfare there tonight for the last <laughs> few minutes. But no, I am. Look, I'm really enjoying it. I suppose. Um, I'm slightly inexperienced, but you're get, every every day you're learning, and uh, and um, I've lots of really good people around me, and and uh, good backing of the board. So long may that continue. And as I said, I'm going to be 37 next month. I'm a young young intercounty manager, but it's something that I've always wanted to do. It's something that I'm absolutely relishing, and uh, I'm going to educate myself uh, as much as I possibly can over the next few weeks to get 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 ready for the 2023 campaign. So uh, that's the plan, and uh, yeah, enjoying it thoroughly. And just very finally, Lee Chin seemed to come off injured at half time. Any concerns there? Yeah, no, just just a little bit of a, an eagle there. So um, again, Lee will recover well, and he'll uh, he'll try to get himself ready for the fourth of February. And uh, it doesn't seem to be too serious. So we'll, we'll monitor that over the next few weeks. A few lads are just carrying a few knocks because we're after having a good few number of games and lots of training over the last few weeks. So um, yeah, we'll we'll monitor that, but I don't think it's too serious. Best luck with the year ahead, Darren. Thanks ever so much for talking to me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks a million. With Wexford fullback Liam Ryan after his side's 125 to 218 victory against Kilkenny in the final round of the Walsh Cup here in Chadwick's, Chadwick's Wexford Park, uh, Liam delighted with the result. Uh, yeah, great, uh, great occasion. First of all, um, geez, some crowd there for a Walsh Cup game. Uh, 12, 13 thousand, you know, a lot of uh, investment gone here, gone into the Wexford Park, and uh, I suppose it's, it's nice to give uh, the people that came here to give him a, a win at the end of it so yeah happy happy with the performance um, obviously things to work on but um, looking forward to the league I suppose now and what was it like playing in a game like this I mean it was it was crazy to be at and watch on to be honest with you but playing in front of a full house in Wexford Park for a Walsh Cup game uh, it was uh, surely a unique experience that's it yeah uh, very strange usually come um, summertime now you've used kind, kind of the buzz coming in but um, yeah uh, mid-January there and you're getting a bus in there from Ferry Carrigan to Wexford Park and there's queues everywhere felt weird but um, look great to have and uh, I'm, uh, I'm sure the younger lads probably uh, appreciate it, uh, the crowd that we have there because it's, it's, it's brilliant for them to get a get the appetite for that kind of uh, noise around even and the kind of pace of the game kind of 
uh, uh, Trovav. So um, yeah, great, great, and um, something, something for us to work on now uh, for the next match. So looking forward to. It. And is it important as well, Liam, in the, in the sense that while tonight's game maybe isn't of the utmost importance to the panel, that you need to try and make this place as much of a fortress as possible heading towards the league and particularly the championship? That's it, exactly, because at the end of the day it all comes down to championship and um, the way the, uh, the championship is structured, um, you have to be winning your home games, definitely. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to make it very, very difficult for teams to come down here. But look, once we keep on winning and uh, giving performance like that, um, I hope it hopefully takes us far. And just on tonight's game, Liam, how tough for Kilkenny to eventually overcome? It was just it went right to the wire, and obviously until that last minute goal, um, it seemed like a draw was kind of was going to be how it ended. But maybe you just about edged it rightfully so at the end. Uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Probably draw was probably a fair, fair reflective on it, but. Um, yeah, any time we play Kilkenny, we never get anything easy. Um, it's just just the way it is. But um, yeah, they're a savage team. Um, new manager, new kind, well, new kind of style of play. They're um, they're very very able to work the ball out and stuff like that. So um, yeah, they, they'll be a different animal come championship. So we have to prepare for that. And what are the hopes come championship, Liam? You finished third last year, All Ireland quarter final. I spoke to your manager Darry Egan. He says it's to try and get back to a Leinster final. Would you echo those sentiments? Definitely. That's we 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 haven't been there since 2019, and um, the, we need to be back there. That's what we're aiming for. But we're going to have to take it by match by match, and that's that's just the way it is. Um, you know, it's very small margins in, in the championship, so we're going to have to be on the ball for every 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 one of those matches. So just looking forward to it now. And what has Darry Egan brought to it in terms of obviously it's his second year in charge? What do you think he's added to the to the team? Uh, well, by the by, the team selection there today, he's given lads chances and a few young faces there, a few lads who are kind of on the fringes there for the last few years. They've been given game time. Um, if you're going, if you're going uh, well in training there, he'll he'll put you in. So he's a, he's a, he's given lads run. He's um, we're able we're able to kind of use the ball short and long. And that's 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 what we're working on, you know. You know, the best teams are are, are able to do that. So it's just putting it into game time now, and that's the, that's the way forward. I'll leave and let you know the call. Thanks ever so Lovely. much for talking to me. Best of luck in the championship. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Scoreline. Shane O'Keefe here with you until 6 o'clock. Of course, it's not the only time I'm going to be with you because I'll be here till 8 o'clock after the Kilkenny and Wexford game in Walsh Park under the floodlights. But right now, we're going to keep with our hurling theme and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the man behind Fantasy Hurling, which begins again this year, Mr. Carl McFearlan. Carl, how are you doing, sir? Oh, not so bad, not so bad. Carl, fantasy hurling, it was only something that kind of came into my consciousness there recently. Basically, I got a, a kind of asked to, to join it and to register for fantasy hurling 2023. Now, that deadline is 12 o'clock Saturday, February 4th. You can register now on fantasyhurling.ie. But for some people that was like myself that weren't aware of what it was, can you just explain to our listeners what fantasy hurling is? So, fantasy hurling uh, works exactly like uh, fantasy Premier League in the soccer. Uh, it's basically once you register and log in, you can pick all your favorite <coughs> your favorite players, and they score points based on if they score goals, points, clean sheets. If they get a red card, they get minus points. If they concede goals, they get minus points. 
Um, basically, you sit back and watch your, your favourite players score and hopefully you go up the leaderboard. There is uh, an overall leaderboard which has included a load of stars, including some Kilkenny men, uh, like so Jackie T, Brian Hogan, Eddie Brennan, guys got enter, plenty of Carlo uh, and our county hurlers enter as well. Um, and then we also have county leagues and club leagues. Uh, so if there's 10 years in your local club, um, you have a wee bit of bragging rights there over your teammates and clubmates and family and stuff, you know. So uh, I saw a, a fundraiser for Owner Hearn Club here in Dungannon, County Tyrone. We're doing it now maybe 10 years, and it's basically all all proceeds go towards developing Hurling here in Tyrone, which, is, as, as I'm sure you're aware, is not the easiest in the world, but we, 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 we like to promote it as best we can. Sure, we're on the opposite side of things down here in Kilkenny as well with the, with the football. Um, can you tell, does it start in the first round of the league then and then finish with the All-Ireland final or what's the duration of it? Yeah, so so we have two separate competitions. Uh, so we've won for the league, uh, which is probably, well, the, the one for the league is well structured because every team plays every week. Uh, after week one, uh, so the Saturday the fourth after that weekend in the first round of the league, there'll be a transfer window. So say, for example, you pick somebody that was injured, you can transfer them out and bring in a different player or somebody's maybe been rested. You can you can change your team. You can also pick a captain, which gets double points. Uh, so all them wee things are, are, are important. But basically it runs the whole way to the National League final and then we, we cap our winner there. The, the winner gets £800. The best club uh, gets £300. And then we start a new game there for the championship and then that raises up to 500 on a 1000 you know. So when you get when you get to the championship, are you able to like? Does it just strictly have to be people going towards the Lee McCarthy, or can you be looking at the Joe Mack and stuff like that as well, and encompassing yeah, so, everybody? So it's it's based it's based on the Lee McCarthy. Um, now obviously the winners, the Joe Joe Mack, they they come in. So if if Charlo win the Joe Mack, then players will be added to the game for All Ireland Provisional Quarter Final, uh, like like normal the previous years. Now in the Open Championship years ago, it was a bit harder because teams didn't get regular games. But the format of the, 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 the Liam McCarthy at the minute with the, the round robin and Munster and Lance, it actually suits our game because teams are getting five regular games, uh, which is great. So you're not worrying about uh, <clears throat> TJ Reid not playing for four weeks and maybe a Limerick man playing two in a row. You know, So it's, uh, the Liam McCarthy is actually quite structured for, for a game, you know. And you're going to get a lot of renewed focus on starting lineups as well. And sure, as you've noticed, particularly in recent times, and that the starting lineup doesn't always reflect what actually starts out onto the pitch as well. So it's it, it's quite a, a tactical thing. People really have to ingrain themselves within the culture of the GEA to find out. Oh, Adrian Muller might be injured this week, or you know, vice versa. Yeah, it's, it's actually funny because we get we get tweets and stuff where where somebody's picked Adrian Mullen and even though the game's only a wee bit of fun, sweet small entry fee, but people actually get frustrated because <laughs> it's really down to, it's not to do really about winning or anything, it's more to do with with the, your club mate, your teammate, your colleague and work about getting the wee one over in him and if Adrian Mullen is injured, <laughs> that's cost you maybe 10, 20 points, uh, which he which he's slagging you about on Monday. So, um so yeah, it's, 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 look for us. It's about promoting promoting our national game, which is hurting. Uh, we are hurting only club here in in Dungannon. and even though we 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 obviously fundraiser, 
it's more about promoting the game. Like if 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 we have kids entering and they're watching the the Kilkenny game on Sunday, they're finding out who the players are. They're then learning the skills and how they do a certain thing a certain way, and by that they're making them a better hurler and, and, and it's making us no better turn to you know so yeah they're watching a lot more intently there is a, a, a fantasy Gaelic football too yeah we we, we, we run that too uh, you mightn't be much interested in it down there but uh, yeah we run it too uh, it's not as popular now as the fantasy hurling um, but yeah we, we, we run that too and again that's the National League and then a separate competition for the Sam Maguire you know so again it's a bit, a bit of crack if you're if you're into the full GAS scene, not just hurling only, uh, it's it's uh, com. If you log on there again, you can enter for the league. Uh, so it's, it's grand and there's there's prizes for kids and different things, you know. So. Is it quite labour intensive on your behalf, Cottle, in the oh. sense that you know all the stats are they generated by yourself, or you have a third party app that you use to be able to quantify the amount of points that you're going to give to each person? Unfortunately, it's all done by me manually. Wow. Uh, I have a couple of lads give me a, a good hand in, in collating the scores, and I'm actually on honeymoon here at the minute in Vegas and Cancun, so I've, I've, I've two lads are picking over the promotion of it <laughs> and sending out the emails and answering the questions, so they're doing a great job. But yes, on any on any given weekend, uh, with the with the National League anyway, you, you, have, you have, what, 16 games in football, and you have... Uh, 10 in Hurling uh, sorry 6 three, six. Uh, you have 6 games in Hurling and 16 in football so it does take time you have to manually enter everybody's score uh, where they scored 2 points from play 2 points from a free so uh, it, it does take time but look <clears throat> it promotes the game for us uh, and obviously it's a fundraiser so it's, it's, it's worth it when you when you see a few quid coming in and you see that money ticking like we, we tick around their 10 team to to Dublin to see Dublin Kilkenny, like for example, last year took them to to uh, uh, Nolan Park to see Kilkenny and I think it was Waterford, and we went up to Greg uh, played Greg Ballykyang in a in a in a challenge game in the morning. So you know, the, the funds go to the likes of trips like that, like you know. Brilliant, and hopefully now when you're over in Cancun and Las Vegas, you'll be doing Paul Meskel proud, ripping the GEA shorts over there. Oh, the the owner shorts are packed. <laughs> packed and ready to go. No budgie smuggler. <laughs> and, and, and Carl, while I have you, as a Tyrone man, what did you make of all the talk about uh, cross-border rivalries in the wake of the Junior Football Ireland, Ireland, All-Ireland final recently between Foss and Stewartstown Harps? Is there something there, or has it always been there between Southern Counties and Northern Counties? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think so, to be honest. I think, uh, as you know, in your own club and, and different things, in the county finals or all Ireland finals, there's a lot in the line. I think David Clifford actually said it after the game in Foster game. He says, "Look, you gotta do like he pulled him on down, get yellow card or whatever. You gotta do what you gotta do." The scenes at the end were unsavory and probably spoiled, spoiled the game a wee bit because um, it was a great game up to that. Um, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't look too much in the the north south thing. Uh, I think just a case of of of, of Emotions are high, and maybe people lose their own themselves, you know. But no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't look too much on the black, you know. And of course, we're going to have a, another north-south clash tomorrow in the form of Shamrocks versus Dunloy. How strong do you think hurling is in Ulster at the moment? Uh, I, 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 I would say at club level, uh, if you just have to look at Slough the last last 
way, like the, mm. the, the game they gave in, in, in Newry against Ballyhale a couple of years ago was puck of a ball of, of beating probably the best, one of the best club teams in the, ever. Um, I have no doubt that Lai will give will give Bally Hill uh, a good game uh, uh, tomorrow. Um, Hurling and the likes of Dunlai and Cushendall and Lachiel in these places in, in North Antrim in particular is, is, is as good as as good as anything in Ireland. I know we play a lot of youth hurling up there in Derry and Down and stuff, and the, the quality of youth teams uh, in particular is is immense in Belfast and stuff and the likes of David. So. Uh, it it is definitely improving. Unfortunately, just then the gap at senior level is very very hard hard to, to close. Now Antrim's doing a great job there in the division one at the minute. You know, down we're going well in the Christie Ring and stuff, and and Derry's pushing on. Throne Throne obviously are up to Nicky record this year. Uh, I'm sorry, up to Christie Ring after win the Nicky record. So yeah, we're making we're making strides. But the look at the end of the day, we love our hurling up here, and why you win, losing or drawing. For the love of the game, like you know, so as long as as long as you're 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 involved, that's the main thing. And do you, do you think because all the talk before in the semi-finals of the club all Ireland was all about Bally Gunner and Shamrocks, of course, the the history from the previous one that Harry Ruddle goal. But I've heard a few commentators saying this is the best two teams in the competition going head to head, which leads me to. A lot of maybe Kilkenny GA fans that we've talked to have been quite optimistic in regards to the matchup against Dunlight. Do you think that Shamrock should be very wary of that? And do Dunlight, would you reckon, know that they're underdogs and going to use that to their advantage? Well, I, I don't want to play that down because obviously I'll be supporting Dunlight in my <laughs> Ulster team. So <laughs> I'm I going to say that the, the Dunlight have no chance and then the underdog comes and scouts. Look, Dunlight are super, super, super hurlers. Uh, like well, a lot of the Antrim teams. And the lay players, like the Keelan Malloy's as as good a player I've I've seen in the last couple of years. I've no doubt they'll give Bolly Hill their fill of it. And I, you just have to look at Bolly Hill's forward line. I think if they click in any way they they could do a number on you. Uh, but again the lay's not going down there to make up numbers and I've no doubt they'll do do Ulster very proud in the Iron final, you know, and, and, and give it their all. What that takes it into has to be seen, but no doubt they'll 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 they'll, they'll give it a lash, like you know. And just finally, uh, before I let you go, Carl, um, there's been talk over the years about entering an Ulster team into the Lee McCarthy. Do, do you think that's feasible, or is there any sort of will for that to happen? Because it seems like the best chance for the best hurlers in the north to kind of play at what many would regard as the highest level. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. Um, you would love like. Uh, my own my own clubmate here, Damien Casey, passed away last year. And like he was he was as good a hurler as he was in Ireland and he just he was playing the wrong county and thrown. That's not no disrespect to us. Like it would have been it'd have been class to see him hurl at, at Liam McCarthy level. because um, no doubt he would he would he would perform or the likes of Kimalai or whatever and Slaz and Down Derry, Fermanagh, Donegal, Armagh. No, there's plenty of plenty of good hurlers there. Um the, the counteract argument to it is <clears throat> if if the likes of Throne lost their star player to go and play in that, does that then impact Throne? Uh, because they're losing their their best player, Downs losing the best five players. So th- does does it counteract that uh, development within that county? It would definitely if if it's going to happen, it would definitely need to be separate from that. Uh, you can't you can't just lose lose sight of your your own county's development, mm. you know. 
would it be great to see the best players in Ulster put together a team to give Kilkenny a Corga slap? Oh, it would it'd be it'd be class to see, absolutely. But probably more from a probably an exhibition point of view, to be honest, you know. Well, Carl, thanks very much uh, for speaking with me today, and even mentioning the the late great Damien Casey, the Nicky Racker Cup hurler of the year. It's just it was brilliant to once again be reminded of uh, how great of a player he was. But enjoy the honeymoon, and once again, you can register for Fantasy Hurl in twenty twenty three by twelve p.m. on Saturday, February fourth, and that's just all on FantasyHurling.ie. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and if you if you register now, you can tweak and tinker with your team the whole way up to the deadline so don't 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 be don't be worrying too much about, about late registration and stuff you know Carl it's been an absolute pleasure enjoy Cancun enjoy Vegas put it all on red thanks very much for taking the time sir Great man, thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. That is Fantasy Hurling 2023. Carl McFarland, the man behind it. Lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Don't go anywhere. I'm with Kilkenny GA treasurer Barry Hickey at the draws for the Kilkenny Senior Intermediate and Junior Football Championships. Uh, Barry, a lot to look forward to now in the football in February. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's, I know it's early in the year and pitches can be a problem this time of the year, but this is when Kilkenny play their football always and the hurlers will play football this time of the year, but once the hurling starts in a serious way, then the football gets push, pushed aside. So that's life in Kilkenny and look, we've worked with it and improved. There's quite a lot of football, club football in Kilkenny, possibly more than there is hurling in some of the weaker Football, the stronger football counties, you know, it's it's the opposite to us, like you know. And do you think the split season, that that real definitive period for football, and then into the hurling, will help to grow the sport in Kilkenny? Yeah, it's difficult enough, I suppose. In Kilkenny, traditionally, hurling is the game, and that's what all the young kids want to play. Like we we've tried it over the years to try and get younger people to come in and play football. Now they'll play it up to a certain age but after that they don't think it's cool to play football in Kilkenny and that's unfortunately that's life Do you think that is the case that maybe it's more of a personnel issue in terms of the kids and going into teenagers or do you think it's an issue maybe that clubs themselves have to try and deal with a bit more you probably have a little bit of that as well as but some of the clubs maybe on a training night they might throw on the football for maybe 20 minutes or a quarter of an hour and to be honest like players it does help for the physicality of, of the game and if you look at Mullinavet how they play their hurling they're fairly physical playing it like but if you have a bit of physicality and the skill as well like it look it, it has to be a good thing you know and onto the hurling side of things uh, Barry uh, Derek Ling first two games in charge obviously against Offaly and Leash. Exciting times for Kilkenny supporters. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's, it's a new era in Kilkenny. Like, we have Derek there and then we have Mark Dowling uh, coming in. Both of them are, are new. Um, we have a new lot of officers in the county board as well. So, a lot of change going on at the minute. And, look, it's great to win our first two uh, Welsh Cup matches. And next weekend now down in, in Wexford will be very interesting. And there's up to 10,000 people going to be there. And hopefully the weather will be over. Okay, and we'll have a good game. Is that perfect preparation for the year ahead in the sense that there's so many people at a Walsh Cup game that it'll almost be akin maybe to a National League game or, dare I say, a championship game? I know it maybe won't be at the same sort of intensity levels or, or competitiveness, but I'm sure there'll be both teams going hard at it to try and win. 
Well, I suppose if you're a new player and you're given a chance to play at that level against Wexford and hopefully the ground will be okay and the evening will be dry, that, um, look, if you're a new player and you're given a chance to, to, to perform, you'll want to perform. So you'll certainly have players that they'll be tested really as to their ability and how they'll fit in in their experience for the year ahead. And I know if supporters want to follow Kilkenny throughout 2023, uh, the season ticket is currently available to buy. Are there different sort of categories for fans if they want to get their hands on a season ticket? Yeah, the season ticket and the Club Plus tickets are for sale at the minute. And that that um, your opportunity to purchase those will finish the end of this month because the first league game is up in Antrim and that's what the fifth or the sixth I'm trying to think. Um, so you will need to be buying your season ticket or your Club Plus ticket now. Uh, the difference between them is, is a season ticket allows you to go to all the National League games that Kilkenny will play, including if there was a relegation or including a league semi-final or final. And uh, it also you get yeah, to the first two Linster Championship matches, they're included in that 150, as is the club final, which is on uh, next Sunday with Ballyhill playing. So it's good value enough there for 150. And if you want to add the club plus element to it, then it costs another 100 extra. That's 250. But that means you get to go to all the club games in Kilkenny as well. So good value for money, and it might get over some of the problems that people might be having trying to buy tickets online every weekend for matches. And it's not straightforward, it's not simple. Do you think that was the key behind it? That Club Plus um, ticket in particular seems very interesting, I think, to the real hardcore set of supporters, of which there are thousands across Kilkenny, as we know. Um, do, do you think that almost the opportunity to, to buy that and then get rid of maybe going online was something that a lot of supporters will be attracted to? Yeah, they certainly have that opportunity and, and people were asking about it over the last six months now because before COVID, like, they were quite popular in Kilkenny now and it, it, it means you have your ticket and you pay for it once and I suppose some people maybe gifted a ticket to somebody else but um, look it's good value for money uh, it's going long since long before COVID and long before the phones uh, and, and scanning at gates and that so look it, it is good value for money it is attractive but if people want to buy a club plus or a, or a season ticket and there's a juvenile version as well they need to get on, get on the Kilkenny website there and click in and, and purchase the, the ticket one way or the other yeah, it's a great idea and a fair price. Just very quickly, Barry, um, there has been a lot of, I suppose controversy maybe isn't the word, but a lot of talk about the fact that in some, for some games you do have to buy your tickets online. What's your own opinion on that? I suppose we're kind of different to every county because we, we don't use it very much at all. If you go to any other county right around the country, if you go to a first round of an under-14 or under-13 or 12 match, you have to buy your ticket online. Like, we're only operating it here in Nolan Park because most of the other games that, that are played around the county are club gates, and Kilkenny is the only county where that happens. And if we, if we were to operate phones and all those venues... When that money would come into Nolan Park, which it would, we'd have to imply somebody to distribute it out to all those clubs because the clubs, generally speaking, will get the gates for all those games up to the semi-final and final. So we're doing it in Nolan Park. It's working well for us. There are some issues. 
We try and manage people as best we can. We never send anybody home, and we'd appeal to people in clubs as well. If there's somebody in your club having a problem trying to get a ticket, just reach out and help them, because we're really good at that. And I know I've printed tickets for, my, for some people in my own house, and when it came to, to, to purchasing a Hollows Co-op draw ticket, our members of the supporters club, I never had to ask them. They just came at the money. They will appreciate any help you give them. And just quickly, Barry, you're obviously treasurer. Expenditure in 2022 for Kilkenny GA was as high as it's ever been in its history. Is it just getting harder and harder to, to find the money, I suppose, to run what is becoming a more expensive sport year on year? Yeah, I suppose, again, we mentioned the gates there. If you, if you talk about the other counties around us, or some of the prominent counties in holding on football, the amount of income they're getting from gates, Galway is like a million. I mean, what we're getting from our own gates at the moment is roughly 250,000. Now that's not going to go up a whole lot really unless the price goes up like and that's not going to happen in a hurry. So it's, go- we're, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge for us. Uh, we'll have to look at getting um, maybe some business people together in Kilkenny. If we got 10 business people in Kilkenny and decided under some uh, Club Kilkenny type of, 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 of label and, and, and get them maybe to get him behind the scene or Tim then I think we don't have a JP McMahon so we, we just need people to get together come in behind us and support us it's going to be difficult enough And just finally Barry you're back as treasurer for 2023 for the next uh, few years going forward you enjoying it? Uh, look, it's it's up and down. Sometimes it's it's nice. Other times it's a challenge. At the moment, I've spent hours doing figures for all headings and all teams for the year ahead. It takes an awful lot of time to, to break it all down and put it all under the heading of whether it's minor squads, football, under 20 or senior. It's a difficult task enough and it can be challenging at times. Like, But look, maybe I'm getting to be overage now. So one of these days, no, maybe that I'll be trying in the towel but look it, it's an honour to be there so it was an honour to interview best wishes for 2023 Barry and uh, obviously best wishes to everyone in Kilkenny GA thank you very much thanks with Shane Kelly of Mullinavat at the launch of the Kilkenny Football Championships of course the draw were made tonight at UPMC Nolan Park Shane first off what do you make of the draw? A tough enough draw um, it was a rail yard there at home first so uh, I suppose there's no real love lost between us in the rail yard over the last few years but um, no a good tough tough draw I suppose that's what you want and um, McLaren and McAleese the other two in the group so be no easy games there um, so We'll, we'll do well to come out of it sort of going well um, but no it's happy enough for the draw I suppose like it's there's no easy draw on it at all so home draw is probably the best thing you can get there so. as, as a player what what do you kind of make of these draws do you just have to kind of accept that they're going to be tough ties or are you kind of secretly thinking I'd like this club over another club or how does it work no not really because I suppose like in Kilkenny as well you could play a team one week and the, the following team just I suppose if Hurland falls on it you could play a totally different team so we always focus on ourselves like we never we never really focus on the other team all that much um, we just play at our own strengths so um, the only thing we ever if it's a home draw I suppose you have the, the home comforts there but um, no other than that we, we're not really too fussed we don't we don't go looking for teams um, you know complacency can set in if you go down that route um, I suppose we've been we've been caught complacent a couple of times and no, we just focus on ourselves and that's all we can really do. 
And you're obviously coming off the back of winning the county championship last year. A brilliant run in the Leinster championship that unfortunately ended uh, against Fretter St. Moog's in the semi-final down in John Locke Park in Callan. But are you and the whole team looking forward to returning to the county championship now and trying to defend your crown? Yeah, that's it. Like, I suppose last year, I suppose it ended in a bit of disappointment for us. Like, we were very disappointed we lost that game. Um, especially in, in Fettered when I won the one Leinster. Like, you know, it's another one we sort of thought we let slip. Um, but, no, we were delighted to get out of Kilkenny last year, like, regain the title. So so this year it'll be the same again. Just focus will be just on, on regaining the, the title. But I suppose, first of all, it's get over the rail yard first and... Um, see what happens from there but no, like our, our goal will be um, getting out of Kilkenny um, I know we've we've won five in the last six but there was none of them were easy ones so expected same thing this year will be, be hard fought right to the end and is that the sole focus because when I was speaking to your manager Michael Aylward he had mentioned how enjoyable obviously three years ago back in 2019 the Leinster run was and last year again he brought a lot of joy to people in Mullinavat and I think he put football on the board in Kilkenny is there any part of you at all that thinks oh, I'd love to have a run at that again or is it just purely Kilkenny Football Championship we have to get out of it first and if we don't get out of it there won't be any Leinster or maybe in potential Ireland and run yeah well look I suppose you have to focus on, on Kilkenny first but, but no I'd love to get back there like I said I think it's un- Finished business there. Like we were when we um, when we had Maddox Rangers the, f- the first year we got to Leinster final. You know, that was just bonus territory. We got there and um, look, we probably performed well in the first half that day and then let that slip. But that was just bonus territory. We weren't expecting anything. But last year, once we got there, um, like every game, we were fully expecting within our own camp to win it. So we were disappointed, and we do think 100 percent that there is a Leinster um, title in us. Um, but again. Kenny's not easy to get out of so you know we're focusing that first um, you know when we were going for the five in a row we probably got a little bit complacent against Thomastown and look no not taking anything away from Thomastown that day the, the latest but um, you know we probably felt we are a bit complacent there so you know focus is just on Kenny, nothing else at this stage but just to go back to the Leinster and I know you said the focus is on Kilkenny how enjoyable have those provincial runs been and how enjoyable would they be if you were able to go at it again because as you said I think there probably is a determination amongst the panel to maybe go one step further than you did in 2019 no it is it's brilliant um, like it is it's some buzz like um, you, you know you, during the year you know, you're playing the, the football in Kilkenny and it's nobody's really paying too much heed to you but you're getting people there like and you go into your local bar um, or, or anywhere like you meet somebody and they're like geez it'd be great if he's you know people actually following you and I suppose that's a bit unique in, in Kilkenny you know people talking to you about football but um, like I said it really did suppose put them to board but might have been a bit of a hindrance for us going forward where teams might be expecting us to, to be decent going, coming up against them but um, no it is look it's it's unbelievable like it's like I, my own club up in, up in Tyrone we, we got to had one run in Ulster and we got beaten the first round and like it was again sort of you were there but there was no real impetus on it whereas down here like there is for a club from Kilkenny to get that far is unbelievable and um, now there's a real determination like Kilkenny first but if we if we get through Kilkenny again it'll be the same thing it'll be mindset will be we'll look at the draw and um, we'll be determined to get there but um, sure luck we'll see what happens and you're coming from Tyrone how would you assess the football championship in Kilkenny not in terms of quality I suppose but just in terms of structure and what's in place do you feel like it's something that will allow the sport to grow I suppose and to further the sport for the clubs and then obviously for the inter-county side too um, look hopefully I know it's, it's a hard situation here with the amount of, of hurling leagues that there are and, and championships and that but um, probably this year it's 
a little bit better organised whereas you know there's the draw and then there's there's dates you can look at whereas before it was maybe you know you may have two weeks to the leagues on and sort of thing so at least there's a bit of structure you can work towards but um, but oh, look it's, it's like anything like Ireland's always going to be first like any and I think since I'm down here now five years and I, I suppose the structure of it has got a little bit better but um, I think that's not going to be fixed overnight really Um I suppose it's until the grassroots sort of side of it is, is resolved or, or pushed a bit more that um, it's always going to be on the back burner there to, to, the, to the main sports but um, but now I've it's, it is what it is kind of thing the structure's not too bad um, once, it, once it's set up you know it's kind of week on week on week which isn't too bad you know you get a bit of momentum there and it, it's, it's good I suppose then you know championship's probably going to be over start of May middle of May and then whoever comes through it, hopefully it's ourselves, but it's going to be October again before you know you're you're kicking a ball. Um, and then yes, when you're relying on the hurling, hopefully the junior football again. Um, but that's when you're relying on that to keep your fitness up. And it is hard to get back into it, but I suppose in the short term, I don't see any other real fix for it other than the way they're doing it. So we we'll just we we'll just play the games that are in front of us. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but it is a question I've posed to everyone here tonight. I suppose the obvious next step for Kilkenny football is to try and return to Division 4 of the Allianz National Football League. And you touched on it there. What are the fundamentals that need to happen for that to occur? It seems like, to me, maybe to continue the momentum with yourselves, with Mullen and with the inter-county side is key um, to keep a spotlight on the sport. But as you said, until things happen at grassroots levels with kids, whether it be in schools or with clubs... Um, um, the likelihood of that happening seems to kind of diminish and maybe it doesn't even exist until that does happen. Yeah, well, that's it. But I suppose like, there is no real focus put in football for, for a good while, I suppose. But, but hopefully, like, if we can if we win this junior game, which hopefully we will for, with Kilkenny, um, you know, maybe probably run that for another year and then after that, who knows, make it back into that. You know, if kids growing up seeing that there is a there is a chance there getting like I don't know how many how many people get to to put on Kilkenny jersey. I'm obviously blowing, but I'm lucky enough to have done it. And like there's a lot like Harlan's Harlan's gospel down here, and not everybody can can put on that. So football is another route for it. So I don't see why it wouldn't be pushed. But I suppose it does start with like the likes of schools and that. And if it came to the stage where they had the same push that they have for the hurling, it would be brilliant. But I suppose then it's getting that balance really. Um, it's hard to know. Like I know the same thing up in Tyrone. It's on the other side. It's it's all football up there. There's probably only I think maybe five or six hurling clubs um, that 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 kind of dominate up there. But again, um, like it's the same thing. Hurling isn't pushed up there. Same way football is down here. And I suppose okay, it's worked better for Kilkenny than it has for Tyrone in terms of success. But sure, look. Um, I don't know what, what, I couldn't give you a quick answer for how to resolve it it's I suppose a good setup needs to be put in place at some stage and it does start with schools and an underage setup getting the structure right for that um, and then you know maybe 10 years time after that setup then who knows Kilkenny being a, a solid division 4 team and just on maybe a brighter note and maybe not on what should have happened but what has happened the all Ireland final last July I mean it was a monumental occasion for the sport in Kilkenny how do you reflect on that now six months on I mean you, you must have just it still must kind of feel like an unbelievable achievement it's unbelievable like we got our um, we got our medals last weekend and you know like I never thought I'd ever get a Celtic cross like and it doesn't matter what it says in the back it's, it's an all Ireland medal Um won at Croke Park so you know nobody can take that away from us and it, no, it was unbelievable and again like the buzz I don't see the buzz about the county but anybody I was talking to before you know everybody wished you well and really wanted to see us you know doing well in it and 
um, it was just a brilliant experience like from the, the Friday night in Albertstown and the, even the crowd that were there you know with, with New York and, and the, the two English teams as well but um, the final in Crow Park and then you know like we're we're coming off the field and David Clifford and them boys are coming on to, to warm up like and, you know and you're, you're just looking at all at them and you're coming out then after you get the feed and, and the atmosphere in there is unbelievable and you just wonder like how did them lads kick the pressure of that but um no, it was, look, I'd say it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, really, but um, please God, we'll be back there this year. Um, we'll see how it goes, but um, no, it was, like, unbelievable. Um, I know it is just a, another pitch and all that, but it's uh, it really is hollow ground. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and to, to kick football on it, frankly, Kenny, it's... Uh, if you had told me that 10 years ago, definitely wouldn't have believed you, but your luck, it's done now. And is there a real determination to reach those heights again in 2023? Well, I hope so. I don't see why not. Um, I was talking to, talking to Christy there. Like it's, uh, the goal is to probably go back to him now, maybe March time, once the, 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 the club football kind of is run off a little bit. But um, I'd say once we get in, it'll be the same thing as last year. You know, um, So we credit to, to JJ Grace and, and Christy last year, the match challenge games that we had. Um, look, if you've seen us playing our first game till our last game, the, the difference was, was massive. Um, you know, there's lads there who wouldn't have played, I suppose, the tactical side of football, really. But... Um, I don't see any reason why not and like I would be fully expecting us to, to do it again um, but look again likes New York and that's we'll send over another decent team um, and uh, hopefully it'll be us and them in the final game but sure look if we're there that's all that really matters um, and we'll get over the first first game first whenever that is I think it'll probably I think it's the same setup and Albertstown again on the, on the Friday so it's not easy playing the Friday and the Sunday but I suppose that was the benefit last year we had a panel I think 36 Um and then we look, we had all, all the access to the recovery and everything in between that, which in fairness the, the county board put that on for us, and we did get that support. So we, you know, we can't can't say that they weren't supporting football there, but um, no, it'd be brilliant to get back there again. And just finally, Shane, when I was speaking to Paul Murphy, obviously he was involved with the Kilkenny Senior Hurling setup, and he mentioned that one of the many reasons why he became involved with the football panel last year was to try and drive standards up, not just with the, the team itself, but also just with the sport in the county. You come from a strong football background. Is that something that you kind of try to bestow on other players as well? The more maybe where Paul's coming from an elite setup, you're trying to go on the tactical side yeah. of things, anything like that? No, I'd say I, I would. Um I do a fair bit of talking on the pitch, um, good and bad, I suppose. But no, most of it is around the tactical side of it. Um, like I said, I played football all my life, and you kind of see things a different way than you would on the hurling pitch. And you know, I'd be seeing the position, and that's so what I'd be trying to, to talk about that really. But um, now then, you get the like the likes of Paul there. Like I said, when we got to, when we got to Croke Park. He was doing most of the talking before just about the experience of that and you know, you listen to, to experience where it's counts. So I talk about the tactics whether well, lads listen or that's another another thing, but um no, you, you bring you bring what you can to it and um my legs are probably at stage now where I'm not going to be running up the field. Might have kicked a point last year, but I can't see that happening too much again. But uh, no, the tactical side of things, um, I'll just be a glorified sweeper from now on. I'll be happy enough for that road. <laughs> well, it was a brilliant 2022 with the club in the county, and I wish you the best of luck with the club in the county again in 2023. Shane Kelly, thanks ever so much for speaking to me today. Cheers, Robbie. Thanks, mate. I'm 
Kilkenny football manager Christy Walsh at the draw for the JJ Cavan and Sons Kilkenny football senior, intermediate and junior championships. Uh, first off, Christy, some tasty ties in store across all three grades. Um, looking forward to getting out and watching some football in February. I am, yeah, I am. Uh, it's, uh, look, it's great. I suppose last year renewed the interest in football and there is, uh, there's even a few more extra clubs in it this year, uh, starting off at the junior level. But it's, uh, I suppose while it's early in the year, it's, it, this is the time of the year they play the football and it's, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, even though you'll be fairly lonesome talking out this evening now, uh, actually, when, uh, when I take it. But look, if you're, if you're going to college or going to school, you'll be playing these days anyway. Uh, like whatever the weather, so I'm sure when when the game started, they'll uh, they'll tear into it. And, and the big difference this year and indeed last year is the the split season because the hurling the hurling there the, the won't be really competitive hurling matches until uh, August. So uh, whereas usually there'll be three matches in uh, in April, and the, the football as such will be finished in March. So at least now there'll be more time for it, and people will get better at it. And the evenings will get longer, and they'll get hopefully get finer, and pitches will get better, and, and the standards should improve as, as a result. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right, yeah. Do you think structures and split seasons and scheduling are imperative if Kilkenny football is to move forward? I suppose it starts with the club, and then that feeds into the intercounty side. Well, it starts with the club, and I suppose a lot of clubs don't want to see any football in, around the place. But uh, as we see there at the draw, there's more and more clubs. Even the players, even the players, only use the, the football as a part of their training regime for the hurling later on. At least, at least they're trying it out. Like it's still, it's still one of our games. It's still, uh, you know, still part of the GA. Like, and and, and and there's no reason why they shouldn't play it. Is that frustrating from your point of view, or not frustrating? I suppose. Can you see? a reason for why some clubs seem to almost completely ignore football when as you rightfully said it is part of the cause of the GA well I suppose Kilkenny are so successful and they're the most successful hurling team and you can imagine everybody wants to uh, what you're winning at and what you're good at and what you're winning at everybody wants to be part of and uh, I suppose football to be quite blunt about it was was, was ignored for a long time and probably a lot of people hope to go away but uh, Look, it's there, and, and um, it, it all starts again now in a couple of weeks. Well, it certainly wasn't ignored last July when the Kilkenny team, led by you, won the All-Ireland Junior Football Championship. First off, how memorable a time was that for you? Obviously winning the semi-final on the Friday and then going on on the Sunday and winning the All-Ireland Final in Crow Park. It must have been, on a personal level, something that you have kind of will cherish. Absolutely, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it was a brilliant weekend. I suppose the fact is on in Croke Park. It was on before Kerry in Dublin, which was a huge game. I, I mean, the, the final could be played above in Carlow or Newbridge or anywhere at all, like, and then nobody wouldn't give two hoots about it. But the fact is on in Croke Park, and by the time the match was over, there was a huge crowd at it, and that's that added to it and added to the occasion. And it also, I suppose, we, we got a few extra players because of this, because it was, uh, if we got to the final, it would be in Croke Park. So that all helped. And the fact that it was on the Friday and the Sunday, maybe not ideal from a player's point of view physically, but do you think that kind of the two games in quick succession and the fact that the spotlight was so honed in on the football team will actually help football going forward? Because as I said, as a Kilkenny GA fan, it was one of the most memorable weekends of the season, without a doubt. Will it help it going forward? Well, we'll see now over the next couple of weeks. Um, it will, no doubt. It got, I mean, the, the publicity it got was great, and it showed that, and actually, while Kilkenny won, but they also won playing very good football. 
and I know uh, they were and they were good to watch. And there are some great footballers around here in this county. So uh, it all helps. Like it all helps, you know. But. Um, you know, we'll start all over again now and, and uh, we'll do the same thing. I suppose the fact that it was on the one weekend is, 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 to, is for the New York and the London and, and the, the other English teams to, to, I suppose, to be practical about it. It all had to be run off on the one week, you know, so uh, that's why everything, the, the games was on Friday and Sunday, I suppose, for convenience and being practical about it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a brilliant weekend. It was a fantastic and how much are you looking forward to now 2023 and going to try and defend your crown? Well, it, uh, we are. It's, uh, next, next July is a long time away as well. So, um, look, we will we let the, the football champ, the, the draw that was made tonight, the, those games will start off, that league will start off in two weeks' time. So we let them, we let them uh, get used to it and play away for, for a, a month, six weeks until... Until I suppose until the, the thing gets going, and then around hopefully around March, sometime in March, we will we, we'll start off. We'll start bringing the, in the fellas and and start off with Kilkenny. And it's the question I asked um, two of your players, Rory Monks from Thomastown and Paul Murphy from Danes Fort. And I know when we were speaking to you after that success, you said that maybe Kilkenny are a while off yet from returning to the National Football League. But I'll ask you again now that we're in a new year, how far off do you feel Kilkenny are right now in terms of return to Division 4 of the Allianz National Football League? I'd imagine we're a good bit off it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those guys that played the football last, last uh, in the final in Croke Park, bar... Mullinavas and the guys that played the list of top championship, the rest of them probably hadn't seen the football since, you know, and, and, and we'd want to be, I suppose you'd want a certain panel, the hurling is number one here, like, and while, they're, while, while players are in the club championships, you know, football is out, is out of the question, so, uh, and will it ever come a time when we'll get 25, 30 guys that are not involved in the hurling? Probably not. And it'd be very hard then to, to concentrate if you had that many players not playing hurling, you could concentrate maybe on, on, on getting the football team together. But at the moment, no. And you touched on it there, Mullinavat's run in Leinster. For me, if looking from the outside in and as someone who's a big fan of football, it felt like that coupled with the fact obviously that she had won in All-Ireland can only help to continue to grow the game and I know you say maybe there are obstacles in place but do you feel like there's some form of foundation that was put in place in 2022 through yourselves and then through Mullinavat that maybe or cer- almost certainly wasn't there in the past? Oh there's, there's no doubt it all helped like Mullinavat's run there 3-4 years ago when they got to the Leinster final and they were very unlucky this last year not to get to the Leinster final they should they're probably they're, 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 they probably should have won that semi-final as well you know and the team that beat them won, won down and won Leinster so that would have been a great uh, Philip altogether if they had actually won that game and went on to win Leinster it all helps it keeps the profile up it all helps uh, you know that's uh, you need that and more like you need you need I suppose you need underage you need them play at the schools and that's not I don't think it's happening at the moment or not happening enough and my own club is Muckley. I know you were involved in there in the past. Yeah, a long time ago, as you say. But the likes of Muckley, really, are maybe traditional football clubs. Do you feel like they've got to be the driving forces behind the two, that they've got to return or even get better than the level that they were at at the past when they were playing football at a really high standard? And maybe that's slightly dropped off these days. 
Oh, there's no doubt. Like, uh, uh, Muckley are a traditional football team. Kilmigan, Eaglin, Moore, Railyard, Mullivat now. Thomastown, you know, they were all they were all strong football clubs in their time, and you, you'd really need. But you see, you have to have the, the clubs have to want to do it, and if they don't, it's very hard. Then it's very hard then for players within that club to, to to clubs have to take it serious, you know, not not just a, a token gesture now and again. And at the moment, I suppose the will probably isn't there at the moment. But look, I suppose we have to be thankful for what we have. And winning last year and Mullivat doing well. And we'll have to, I suppose, be positive and, and try and do a bit better every year and get more people interested. There's no doubt last year or last summer it rose the profile 500%. Like. People didn't even know a football team existed, you know. So uh, as a result, more people will become interested. And, and not everybody will get on the Clickney Hurling team. Like At the end of the day, There'll only be whatever it is, 35, 40 in a hurling panel. The, that leaves a lot of other players that, that uh, hopefully we can, we can get a few that don't make the hurling team. Or, you know, because what, what, what you, you find is that the good, the good footballers are the good hurlers as well, you know, in a lot of cases. And, uh, I mean, there's only one game here, like, and that's hurling. And while Kilkenny and they have a great chance to win the All-Ireland Hurling final again this year went forward so uh, while that's there and at all levels like at all ages from colleges up to minor and under 21 so while you know that's the way it is a sense if you don't mind me saying that there's an element of frustration about about you in the sense that do you feel like there's a lot of potential that's not being tapped into at the moment that you know as you said I think Hurling will always be number one in Kilkenny but that football doesn't need to be as far off it as it currently is I suppose it doesn't, and, and um, the fact that uh, players will be able to play football over the next two, two and a half, three months, right, um, it gives them a chance. It gives them a chance over the next couple of months to play it and, and, and enjoy it and get better at it. A lot of it is getting better. It's only practice, really, you know, if they, if they go training with it and kicking the ball, like... <laughs> Kicking, kicking the ball over bars is a hard job. It's only a few people able to do it, you know. Clifford can do it, and a few more, but didn't everyone just able to do it? And uh, the more practice they get, the better they'll get. And, and, and that'll all, I was going forward, that'll all help. Uh, when, uh, whatever, if can he go into Division 4 or whatever, or whatever they'll, they'll, they'll be put. Uh, it's just by playing the game, really. You know, that, that, that helps it. That's a basic start, like just playing games. And from two weeks' time, there'll be plenty of games. And we'll end on a high note, Chrissy. Obviously, we're looking forward to 2023 now. A competitive uh, club football scene will, will begin at the start of February. But just generally for yourself, um, with, with the county side, do you think there's going to be more interest from players to try and get involved, seeing what can be done um, with even just the smallest bit of, of effort? Obviously, there was huge effort on your part and on the part of the players, but that you can achieve something truly historical, I suppose, from a football point of view in Kilkenny. Absolutely. Uh, well, last last year, like, was the, the pinnacle, and and we'll try and we'll try and repeat that this year. And at the moment, that's our All Ireland, yes. literally. Uh, we we give years there. We got beaten in All Ireland semi-finals by uh, when we travelled over to Britain to play in the British Championship. We got beaten by Meath, Galway, and Mayo. Like, would be three traditionally huge, strong football counties, and we did re- well enough against them. You know. 
in the junior competition. So um, the talent is there. The talent is there. Like, but um, look, we'll find out soon enough, and it'll all start again. And, and good luck to everyone. Well, good luck to you in 2023, and congratulations on a brilliant 2022. Christy Walsh, Kilkenny Football Manager, thanks ever so much. No bother, you're welcome, thanks. I'm with Thomas Town and Kilkenny footballer Rory Monks at the launch of the Kilkenny Football Championship, and of course, the draw is taking place tonight, which is Monday at UPMC, Nolan Park. Um, Rory, looking forward to the football season ahead with the club, first off? Yeah, definitely now. Uh, the club, I think, is starting early February, so... We'll be right into it now, you know. We'll be hitting the, the mucky pitches and all that, which will be interesting, but has to be done, I suppose. It's been a successful couple of years with the club, of course, Thomas, and winning the county championship amidst the kind of dominance of Mullen Levat last year, unfortunately losing out in the final. But you seem to be in a really strong position football-wise. Yeah, I suppose we, we probably shocked a few people. Uh, we won the intermediate... 2021 in the summer and then played the senior final that December and went on to win it so we kind of did the double in the space six months which surprised people we got a good run of lads at the right time and then unfortunately we just came up short last year and what was that like going back to 2021 obviously it kind of I suppose it would have shocked a lot of people as I said Mullen and Nevada have been very strong over the last number of years but you went in won the intermediate came straight up and won the senior as you said what was that sort of swift play like was it was there just that momentum continued on from the intermediate into the senior yeah it was definitely the momentum yeah and to be fair we had a great mix of youth and, and senior players like the likes of Richard O'Hara he's played with Kenny for a number of years even the likes of John Joe Farrell he's a very experienced player and then with the youth coming through you know we, we had a great mix and like we were shocked but we probably shouldn't have been that shocked like we we, we, we deserved to win it to be fair and looking forward now to the 2023 championship a lot of tough teams will be involved it's a senior grade but is it all eyes on trying to reclaim the crown that you won yeah of course it is now but um, there's a lot more momentum with Kilkenny football this year you know with uh, the split season I think a lot more lads are trying to play you know they're not really missing out in any hurling club or anything so I, I think it's gonna it's just going to get more competitive this year do you think that's a big thing for the sport in the county in general, the fact that there is a split season and there's that obvious separation between the football side of things and then the hurling side of things? Oh, definitely, yeah, sure. We're in Kilkenny, like, and lads allowed allow to put the hurling first and the fact that they're allowed to play football now without losing their place in the hurling team is huge, you know, and it'll just it's just going to improve the game in Kilkenny now. And obviously something that also improved the game in Kilkenny was the fact that you won the Junior All-Ireland last year. You were part of that panel, part of the team. What was that feeling like? I mean, you won the semi-final on the Friday and then going up to Crow Park on the Sunday. It was a monumental occasion for football in the county. Yeah, it was massive now. Like, even just running out in Crow Park wearing a Kilkenny jersey and, and not having a hurl or helmet, like, you know, it was a, it was a sight to behold. But, geez, no, it, it, was, it was a great competition now because it, 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 it brings on the game in Kilkenny especially, but even the other, com- even the other counties. I'd imagine they'll come back now in the summer and be even stronger you know and we probably will as well I know there's, there's lads now wanting to play this year that didn't play last year you know it's going to get more competitive Do you feel like that was the biggest thing about it obviously to win All-Ireland in Crow Park is an incredible achievement but the fact that it really shone a spotlight on football in Kilkenny Yeah definitely and you know it's 32 counties in, in Ireland and there's only one that doesn't play in the National League and hopefully Kilkenny will, will, will get back to that stage and I, I don't see why we can't in the next few years you know with the right supports like the, the right lads are in there you know and the, the county board seem to be backing it as well so I don't see why not but we can't be in the National League next few years And what do you think are the fundamentals that are needed if the Kilkenny football team is to get back into what I presume would be and what obviously would be Division 4 of the National Football League in the years to come? 
well, I suppose if you even watch any football match now, it's just the conditioning, really. The players, you know, it's just they're even the, the club game is gone, just nearly professional. You know, the gym work has to be done, the S&C, and of course the football, like you know. But but the right lads are involved in it, and I've I've no doubt that if if they're back, that they will drive it on. And just generally, I know we were talking about kind of what it meant to the county for Kilkenny to win, but for yourself on a personal level and for the team, what was that weekend like to just kind of revel, I suppose, in the fact that you had made history? Yeah, it was a great weekend. Unfortunately, it, it didn't uh, span on a bit longer, you know, just two nights and it was up, like, you know. Uh, but no, it was great. And even the homecoming then the Monday with the hurlers, unfortunately, they couldn't finish the job. But um, And we, we had the medal presentation there on Saturday night in Langton's, and that was excellent as well, just to see all the lads. And everyone's looking forward to the new year and just looking to get back into it now. Hopefully we'll be trying in maybe March, April or something, just to get back on. Yeah, do you think there'll be that buzz attached to the team this year when you go back in with the inter-county side of things in the sense that obviously you're coming off the back of winning All-Ireland and you're going to have to try and defend that crown in 2023? Oh, definitely, yeah. I'd say the New York lads, London lads will, will be able to get us this year now and it'll be a challenge, but I'm sure we'll be up for it. Now I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Hersport.ie founder Neve Tallon to look at the work that the website does to continue to grow women's sport and we tackle the current issues that female sports stars have to deal with. Neve, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? Yeah, really good, really good. Um, first off, Neve, could you explain to us where the idea for Hersport came from and how it actually came to be? Yeah, so um, I founded Hersport because of the, you know, the lack of media coverage uh, for girls and women in sport, so... Um, at the time of founding, uh, internationally, uh, 4% of sports media coverage um, went to went to women's sport. So that's 96% to, to men's sport. Uh, so just trying to make sure that the female athletes uh, that are doing all these great things get the coverage that they deserve. But also uh, twice as many girls drop out of sport as boys by the age 14. So to try and make sure that there's role models and that we're encouraging girls and women to stay involved in sports. And was there a particular moment, I know, I know you mentioned the stats there, was it more so those kind of bigger kind of things in terms of the actual discrepancies between men's sport and women's sport that led you to, to start it? Or was there kind of a particular moment where you thought this isn't right anymore? Um, I suppose from a, from a personal perspective, the, the timing was right for me. Um, I had just done a master's in digital marketing. I, I understood um, you know, how to set up the website and, and to get the content out there uh, through social media. So... Um, from from a personal perspective, the, the timing was right. Um, I would have seen in the, the 2016 Olympics as well about um, you know a lack of coverage sometimes with the with the female athletes, and, and I like I knew they were making history, and I was going looking for results, and sometimes it was you know hard to find them. So it was just to make sure, as I said, that that the athletes that are doing really good things and um, you know breaking uh, records um, and, and having really good results are actually getting the recognition they deserve. Yeah, it's great to see you. And I know it's grown an awful lot since it started, but could you kind of give us an idea of how much it actually has grown since you started Her Sport? Yeah, so I started the website and the social channels in March of 2018. And then I was, you know, kind of away traveling and, and stuff, trying to keep it going. But really, we put a lot of focus on it uh, from January 2020. Like that's when we would say that the business started. Um, so uh, at the start of 2020, we had less than 5,000 people uh, following us across all, all social media channels. And now, uh, you know, almost exactly three years later, we've over 110,000 people in our in our community online. So it shows that, uh, you know, giving something 100% attention, uh, it will pay off, but also the, the need and want 
uh, from uh, you know society to have uh, you know a resource like us to go and uh, follow women's sports news, get to know the athletes, see the interviews, and uh, talk about some of the topics. And where would you like to see her sport go in the, I suppose, in the short term and the long term future? Yeah, so we are looking at heading over to the UK and, uh, you know, covering some of the stories over there and, um, you know, making sure that we, we can make a difference, um, you know, for more than just the, the women of Ireland. Um, and we're also developing our, our education uh, opportunities. So we go around to schools, to clubs and to workplaces, um, you know, to talk about the landscape of women's sports. Uh, and how you can help break down the barriers in, in your own community, whether that's in your own club or uh, maybe that's at school. Um, maybe it's at home, you know, with your with your family and how, how you can uh, make your own contribution to, to change things. And I know that you have your award nights very shortly in um, UCD. Kilkenny Camogie team, who of course won the All-Ireland last year, up for team of the year. And Miriam Walsh, who was the player of the year, is up for um, sports star of the year for yourselves as well. Could you give our listeners a bit of details about when that's taking place? Yeah, so that will be on in UCD, as you mentioned, on Saturday the 28th of January. Um, it'll be from 6.30pm. Uh, so we'll be awarding the Athlete of the Year, Young Athlete of the Year, Team of the Year. Uh, we'll also be um, awarding the the Community Award. So that's for uh, somebody in their local community that is being acknowledged for the contribution that they're, they're making and, and maybe the difference and the impact that they've made in, in their own community. And we'll also be inducting somebody into the Hearst Sport Hall of Fame. Um, it's, so it's great to obviously celebrate all the, the amazing achievements uh, of the of the different athletes. Um, Kilkenny actually won it in 2020, uh, the team of the year, which is great for them. Um, and we'll have a panel discussion as well. So we're going to be joined by Katie O'Brien, Nikki Daly and Michelle O'Neill uh, to discuss uh, the landscape of women's sports and um, also if it's a team of, of Do It For Her. So we launched a campaign uh, in October, um, you know, talking to a group of 8 to 13-year-old girls on, you know, their experiences in sports. And unfortunately, they already did see a disparity, um, you know, between boys and girls, men and women, and how, how they were treated in sports. Um, but they really love sport and we're really interested uh, in, in playing sport. So what we're trying to do is, is really just show that there are still, um, you know, strides that need to be made and hopefully we can, we can change things in the future. So that, that'll be the conversation on the night as well. So really looking forward to hearing the stories, uh, you know, from the panellists that we'll have on on the night. Yeah, sounds brilliant. And obviously we wish the best of luck to Miriam and the Kilkenny Camogie team would like at least one award there from our point of view. But just, just generally, and I suppose, you know, you think about the amount of sports stars and sports teams that have done so well for female sports recently. There seems to be a bigger spotlight on women's sport, particularly in this country in recent years. I know obviously websites like your own have helped that grow massively, but why do you think that has happened now specifically? Because I think it has dawned on a lot of people that it's it's long overdue. Yeah, I think there's efforts being made on a global scale. And like you can look at the, the women's zeros and, and the success of that. I think actually holding it over um, in the UK was a, was a really, uh, you know, a really good choice. And um, they always do invest and, and back the, the different tournaments that they that they hold. So, um, you know, to see Wembley Stadium uh, sold out and, and also the, the effects that having the Euros and, and winning the Euros has had in that country, like, the, the club games um, are, are breaking record attendances and, and, and that type of thing as well. So um, it's investment in marketing is huge and, and we've seen that obviously domestically with uh, the likes of Little backing um, you know, the, the LGFA and, and women's football um, and, and we've seen year on year uh, the, the growth of attendances for the final 
uh, in Croke Park. So um, it is it is that, that I suppose people are starting and organisations are starting to, to back some of the tournaments. Um, yes, there's organisations like ourselves at Her Sport that are, are trying to uh, you know, spotlight the athletes, and then then domestically, like we've had some amazing results. Um, you know, even if you look over the past ten years, like we've, uh, you know, uh, Katie Taylor has, uh, you know, won won an Olympic medal, um, which is she's also now fighting professionally and, and doing unreal as well. Uh, we have Kelly Harrington, we have Ellen Keane, um, you know, Nicole Turner, Kira McGean. Uh, if, if you look at all the the short list that we have. Um, this year, like it's 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 amazing to see the the achievements. Like um, the European Boxing Championships, uh, the women came home with uh, seven or eight medals. Um, you know from that championship, which is which is amazing. It is amazing, but something that I want to pick up on there is the fact that maybe you mentioned obviously the incredible achievements of a lot of female mm-hmm. sports stars in Ireland, but a lot of those sports are individual and. Just a word kind of on the fact that the Ireland versus Australia game at the World Cup later this year could potentially be moved to an 80,000-seater plus stadium mm-hmm. due to demand because, as you mentioned, um, across the channel in England, there seems to be a massive interest at the moment. I know Arsenal and Chelsea are close to 50,000 people at the Emirates Stadium for um, a game there in the league recently. How encouraging is news like that, that there is such a demand for tickets for the World Cup from an Irish perspective? And could this World Cup for women's team sports in particular be a kind of watershed moment do you think yeah absolutely like I think I think we have seen that effect uh, you know with the Euros and, and definitely there is a lot of excitement building in Ireland as well um, from people tuning into that competition but also the, the World Cup qualifiers were on uh, last year and um, you know we obviously saw Ireland qualify for the World Cup it's the first time that the Irish women's team have, have qualified for a major tournament you know people are really getting to know the team better they're starting to know the personalities uh, getting down to Tala to watch them, you know, play the game. So it, it is really, really exciting. And um, I think the fact that they've, they've qualified for the World Cup certainly, um, you know, helps, you know, build excitement. Um, they're, they're really good at engaging with with the fans, and it's definitely inspiring a lot of young girls and boys. And um, so yeah, it, it's great to see. Like it's brilliant to be able to play the host nation. Uh, phenomenal that um, you know it's looking at moving to a bigger stadium. I know there's obviously loads of Irish people out there that. I will be hoping to go to the game. So if we can, if we can get more seats, uh, it's amazing. But I think there'll be a lot of excitement, uh, you know, in in July and August when uh, when Ireland are playing, and uh, you know we're hoping to host some watch parties um, and and to you know continue that excitement here. It's obviously you know a far place to travel for some people, um, but there I think there'll be a lot of people tuning in to watch the team and see how they get on. Yeah, I know you had a watch party for that, I suppose, seminal moment when Ireland defeated Scotland, Amber Barrett getting the winning goal in Hampton Park to qualify, and I'm sure there'll be a lot more people attending uh, across yeah. the summer this year. But just to move it on a bit again, Eve, I suppose, just to look at issues that you know are with women's sports, really, some that have come up in recent times is the colour shorts that women wear and the move away from white shorts to help female sports people feel more comfortable playing sports when they're on their periods. How overdue is something like this? Yeah, look, this is something that um, has been talked about a lot in the past two years. And, you know, we have a show called The Period Panel. Like, it's, it's something that, that we've brought up with different players. Like, we've spoken to, uh, you know, Louise Quinn about this before. And um, I think, you know, for for teenagers in particular, it, it, it's really going to encourage people to stay involved in sport if that is something that they're self-conscious about. Um, when you're playing a pitch sport, it's it's one thing playing your in your own grounds if you're playing a match, 
Uh, it's another thing when you have to travel to somewhere else and you don't know what facilities are available. You might have to travel an hour to get the match. Then there's, you know, half time. Do you have enough time at half time to run off to the bathroom uh, and come back? And it's just something that people can be quite self-conscious about is, is, is when they're on their period and leaking. And the educational seminars that I was saying to you earlier, um, it's, it's something that we've had come up uh, with girls and, and we're trying to encourage them to support each other to realise that, you know, 50% of the population, you know, do have a period at some point in their life and it's something that we should be treated as normal. But, you know, we're not quite there yet. So if, if something like navy or black shorts is going to, um, I suppose, add that, that layer of confidence, uh, you know, to girls and women to play, like it's, it's something I think that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people will support. It's, uh, it, it's great to see from the IRFU that they're making that change and I think we will see more follow. Um, we, we've had a lot of clubs contact us and tell us that they're doing it and, and are starting to make that change. Um, to be honest, I think the funny thing about white shorts in the first place is um, you, can ne- you can never keep them clean regardless. <laughs> so <laughs> I think a dark pair of shorts would probably do, you know, uh, yeah. a few favours in other ways as well. But look, definitely from the perspective, like if, if we're talking to girls that are 13, 14, 15 and, and being on their period and, and, and worrying about playing and leaking and, and you know, they're also getting used to it when they're young and, and getting into how they manage it. It takes a couple of periods to actually, you know, figure out everything. So if if you can give them, as I said, that extra um, confidence, um, they they will continue to play sport. Um, and and once they kind of get into the swing of things and get used to it and uh, how to manage it, uh, you know, you'll see them be involved in sport for many years after that. Yeah, it would be great to see. And another thing that's been mentioned in recent times, and this is maybe more at the elite level for professional mm-hmm. sports stars, is maternity leave. Um, it's been spoken about a lot, as I said. How imperative is it that we allow elite sportswomen to have children and to be able to make and transition back into their sport of choice? Yeah, look, it's a it's a really um, tough thing, uh, I suppose, as as, a, as an elite athlete. Um, as, as a woman, to if you want a family, but you want to continue continue your athletic career, like a lot of people feel um, that they have to choose one or the other. And and, and I suppose one thing, um, you know, your athletic career might span over a number of years, and, and as you head it, you know, to kind of your mid thirties and 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 late thirties, it, it might be become a little bit more difficult to have children. So you're kind of you're trying to figure out the balance. Um, you know, we've seen Serena Williams recently retire there because she wants to, uh, you know, have another have another baby and, and she wants to focus her time on, on her family. But she's also spoken about, you know, the choice that she has to make that that a man wouldn't necessarily have to make because they're not they're not carrying a child. Um, something positive from an Irish perspective is uh, that Sport Ireland has been proactive about maternity guidelines. Um, they were working on it since 2019 and and they actually implemented it. Uh, in 2020 for uh, internationally carded athletes. Um, so anybody that is that is carded um, will get a 12-month guarantee of funding um, if, if they become pregnant, uh, which I think is a, is a great support for the athletes um, and, and kind of allows them you know, to continue their career. Um, we've seen un- unbelievable uh, performances you know, from, from mums, like uh, Fanula McCormack is an Irish athlete. Um, you know, she is... Currently, the fastest uh, marathon, active marathon runner uh, in Ireland at the moment, and, and she's second on the all-time Irish list uh, behind Katrina McKiernan. Um, Sonia O'Sullivan, uh, she did it. She had kids and, and obviously had unbelievable performances. Um, Sunita Pushpore as well has become double European champion, double world champion. Um, you know, while being a mom as well. Um, so it's it's something 
Um, that definitely needs to, you know, come into into force. It's great to see Ireland, I suppose, at the forefront of it. Um, and, I, and I know you're, you probably want to touch on, I suppose, the difficulties that that we're seeing with the, the Lyon footballer, um, Sarah Bjork, uh, Gunnar's daughter. Yeah. Um, she's, she's obviously had some difficulty there with, with Lyon, with the case. And, you know, we've seen it before with Alison Felix and Nike. Yeah, and when, when you see things like that... Uh, does it concern you at all that maybe we haven't moved it on as far as you'd like to see it? I think women's sport is is you know growing and evolving and, and is still you know relatively new and, and I suppose you have to look back into society and, and, and the workplace as well. Things have been evolving over the past number of decades and um, it's it's something that I think will continue to change. So obviously it's changed in Ireland. Uh, there is legisl- legislation there from FIFA, uh, so. Um, Sarah did get back pay of 82,000 plus interest uh, from Leon, um, and it, it went to FIFA, and, and basically Leon hadn't uh, had essentially broken the rules there um, and hadn't looked after her properly. So I suppose that that is in place, and uh, you know now now people will be in full confidence that FIFA have backed her, and they will you know know that if anything comes up, you know playing international football, um, that that they, that FIFA will support them. Um, from a Nike perspective. I know that Alison Felix came forward when it happened uh, at the time. So she had been uh, penalised, um, you know, when she became pregnant. Um, and, you know, she said at the time, if she is one of Nike's most widely marketed athletes, could secure protection, you know, who could? Um, so Nike actually announced a new maternity policy for, for sponsored athletes uh, with a contract that guaranteed pay and bonuses for 18 months during pregnancy. Um, Alison did part ways with Nike and she went on to start her own brand um, you know driven by uh, supporting women and you know in- ensuring that the you know the correct policies and that were, were in place so um, you know there, there are people there that are pushing the boundaries we will see more change over time um, but I suppose that's the evolution of you know women in society over the past you know 50, 60, 70 years as well and just generally, Neve, before I let you go, how far off do you think we are in getting women's sport to where you would like to see it and where pe- women involved in sport would like to see it? And what needs to be done to get to that point, do you think? Yeah, so look, there's a lot of effort being put in. Um, you know, it has to happen on the ground. It has to happen, you know, locally at, at grassroots level that, uh, you know, different communities are supporting women in sport and making sure they're treating them properly in clubs and understanding um you know maybe some of the reasons that uh, you know girls and women are leaving sport like acknowledge the barriers talk to people learn and, and, and be open to making the change um you know we do need to see an increase in media coverage i think it's something that we're we're seeing you know efforts from different uh, different channels i know uh, you know cg car put, put in huge efforts um in terms of spotlighting uh, you know different games and, and competitions as well which is great uh, we need to see the same across across print media. Like obviously that's why we why we founded because we felt that um, there wasn't enough coverage going to going to women in sports. Um, and then I suppose investment from a marketing perspective and, and uh, you know um, brands that do get involved with female athletes or women's teams are seeing that return on investment. There's a huge amount of opportunity in that space at the moment. So um, I suppose believing in the opportunity, getting involved, and uh, yeah, we we'll, we'll see things change. Um, you know, pretty dramatically, I suppose, over the next decade. But um, there has been efforts before. It, it's slower, I think, than everybody would like. Um, and going back to the societal perspective, like it's it's 
where were women in society from a historical perspective? Like if you look at um, the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, like they're celebrating their 50th anniversary next year. So it's still relatively new. Um, Irish rugby, the women's team, uh, played their first international match 30 years ago. Um, so it, it will take time. Um, I don't think we'll have enough change in, in 10 years, but hopefully 20 years uh, down the line, we won't even be having this conversation. Well, it was brilliant to have this conversation with you, Neve, and congratulations on all the great work done so far. And we wish you the best of luck with your awards night on Saturday, January 28th in UCD, and of course, continued success with hersport.ie. Brilliant. Thanks a million. And I suppose if anybody wants to come up, if they're in Dublin or they want to travel up to support Kilkenny and uh, the team, uh, you can get tickets. Um, it's, a, it's a public event, so anyone that wants to join and is, or is interested in the panel discussion, if they go to awards.hersports.ie, all the information is there. Brilliant stuff. Sounds like a great night. Thanks a million, Neve. Great. Thanks so much. You're very welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe. Now, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by a man that I've spoken to before. He's from Sports for Business. In fact, he is the CEO, Mr. Rob Hartnett. Rob, thanks very much for speaking with me today. Good afternoon, Shane. Always a pleasure. It certainly is. I really enjoyed our talk last time. As I said, we could have spoke for about an hour about everything that was going on. And at that time, Chelsea were in the midst of a takeover and Todd Bowley ended up being the one to purchase that. But since then, the likes of Liverpool and Manchester United have gone up for sale with many different various interested parties. Um, Why are we seeing the Premier League clubs looking to sell now? Is it because the market is so inflated? It's kind of hard to say. The market is definitely very vibrant. The media rights fees keep on going up. The audience figures keep on going up. The engagement of fans keep on going up. And the value of the individual clubs as brands, likewise, keeps on going up. The English Premier League, in fact, uh, is responsible for half of the places in the top 20 world clubs in a report that was published only this week by Deloitte. And the the old adage that money follows money is certainly a play here because you've got all sorts of different groups, occasionally individuals, but more often than not venture capitalists who might be coming in there looking to buy, add value, create a team that's going to get to the final stages of the Champions League and then be able to sell it on again for a big profit, just like they did with Formula One and all sorts of other different sports as well. You've also got, coming into the market, you've got big sovereign wealth funds. We've already seen uh, you know, how Saudi Arabia's takeover of Newcastle has given them a real injection of life, so the fans enjoy it. You've got the, uh, you've got the Qatar uh, you know, sovereign wealth fund invested in Paris Saint-Germain, invested in Bayern Munich, invested in Manchester City, and you've got uh, all sorts of different people that are looking to get involved and looking to get interested. You know, the Qataris are already talking about buying into Tottenham Hotspur. So there's, you know, there's, there's a continual sense that there's an awful lot of money in the Premier League. And where there's money, money will look. In one person in particular that I'm quite interested to speak about, and I'd love to talk a bit more about the Saudi and Qatari investment within sports, is Sir Jim Radcliffe, the Ineos owner, one of Britain's richest men. Now, he previously had stated that he wouldn't buy into the Premier League due to the over-inflated wealth and actually went to Ligue 1 in France and purchased Nice for about $100 million. Is this a, going to be a profitable endeavour for someone like himself, or is it just because maybe he was a Manchester United fan when he was growing up? Uh, you know, it could be a little mixture of all of those things. 
Um, Ineos have been involved in sport and working with sport in terms of its performance and their sponsors for a number of years now. They're involved in cycling, uh, they're involved in Formula One, they're involved in sailing, you know, a lot of sports that have got there at the very sort of top level. But they're also a performance partner to the All Blacks down in New Zealand. Um, you know, so they are they're heavily invested in sport as a business. And if it helps that that Mr. Ratcliffe was indeed a fan when he was younger, then, you know, that could be a rich man's dream come true. We've seen a few tech companies looking to get involved as well. Are their names indeed being banded about? Facebook being one, Apple being one and Amazon being another. And the ones that kind of stand out are the likes of Amazon and Apple that have a lot of streaming platforms. Now, previously, B Sky B tried to purchase Manchester United and were basically ruled out because of the the rights that are associated with the Premier League, I believe, at the time. Could some stumbling block be quite similar for the likes of Amazon who have invested in streaming Premier League games in the past? Sure. Whenever, you know, a club comes up for sale, then the same names are trotted out and those, you know, big tech giants are ones that have got money, they're invested, they're obviously making a play into sport, but I think it's unlikely that they would be looking at a single club. The greater likelihood with with them is that they're investing in leagues. They might invest in the Premier League, for example, or in the, you know, in the French top 14 in rugby. All sorts of different areas there that give them a much broader scope because if you invest in one team, that's only one small segment, no matter how big they are of one major sport. Whereas if you invest in the league, it comes with it, the streaming rights, the fan engagement rights across all 20 teams within that league as opposed to just one. And it's a much broader base from which a tech giant that has got a significant reach into the general public would actually be able to get value out of. And tech giants and and Taboli as well are used to the American kind of system of sports where there's no real relegation and it's uh, a lot of emphasis is put on drafts as opposed to transfers like you would see in the Premier League and it seems that they want to come in with a different perspective on sports. Indeed if you watch Welcome to Wrexham and Rob McElhenney and uh, Ryan Reynolds' journey into the world of soccer they were quite shocked by the, the, the tears that are in soccer. Is there a worry maybe that the the respected traditions of football may be ruined with the investment from different cultures that don't really understand or have a different grasp of what they consider sports. It's a fair point, and it would be a worry, all right. I mean, we you know we talk in in in, in great hushed tones and reverence almost about the tradition, but organised sport itself is less than 150 years old, so it's relatively new on the scene anyway. It's not as though we're talking about the Roman Empire here. The you know the the beauty of sport and sport at its highest level is where there is some degree of jeopardy. Now jeopardy in the American system does tend to work only upwards. So a team like the you know the Jacksonville Jaguars, in which there's been a huge amount of money invested in them, they've managed to win their division. They've won a wild card playoff, and they're playing uh, you know this weekend in the uh, you know in the NFL playoffs and. That's all going up. But the Jacksonville Jaguars can never be relegated. They can be poor. They can be bad. They can lose, you know, 15 out of the 17 games that they play in a season, which they did only a few years ago. But in America, that just means that they move higher up the draft. So they get the better players coming out of the college system. I always laugh. I I do. I love watching NFL. But the beauty of it is it's the most incredibly socialist setup for a sporting organization because 
the worse you play, the better the rest of the league will actually treat you in terms of players, which in America, with its red and tooth and claw capitalism, it just always makes me smile. In in Britain and in Europe, we have got that greater sense of jeopardy going down as well. So there is the threat of relegation. Manchester United themselves were relegated in living memory, although it's hard to see how some of those bigger clubs now could actually sort of end up you know, going down. Yes, the likes of Everton might be in danger, uh, and they've had a big investment in them as well. But again, they're just that one step below the sort of the top tier that these real mega investments are looking at. They're looking at the Champions League. They're not looking at the Championship. And speaking of mega investments, and this one you want to kind of uh, delve into Middle Eastern countries. Indeed, Saudi Arabia have the share in Newcastle or the Saudi Arabian Investment Fund. And a lot of people at the time were quite up in arms over mainly not Newcastle fans. But uh, Saudi Arabia may be interested in purchasing Manchester United. Indeed, they have a massive investment with Cristiano Ronaldo coming to Al Nasir there recently. But Saudi, Saudi Arabia investing in businesses that are well-known isn't really a new thing. Why is it when it deals with sports and indeed the live tour and uh, in the football world, why is it viewed as quite differently? Well, sport raises an awful lot of passion and you know, fans who think that something is going to be a negative for them will often, as you say, be up in arms and want to resist any of those changes. We've heard an awful lot about sports washing. We've gone through the Qatar World Cup. Uh, you know, four years ago when Russia hosted the World Cup, it cost, uh, they had invested, uh, they had invested about two billion in the whole infrastructure around it. Whereas in Qatar, that number rose to 20 billion. Now they were building hotels to beat the band. They were investing money all over the all over the place, uh, you know, and, and putting it in. And they were accused of sports washing. They were accused of buying the World Cup and turning it into something that it wasn't. But when the game started, it was still the World Cup. It was brilliant football, high drama, great excitement, you know, a final for the for the ages between Argentina and France, and you know, people kind of forgot almost about the fact that, you know, Qatar has got a number of issues when it comes to human rights, when it comes to, you know, the way that they treat their their, their own population. But oftentimes it is the case that when they do step out of that world, they're actually exposing themselves and their own people to other ideas as well. So I would argue that, you know, potentially, you know, it might have it might do good for Qatar in the long run, better than if the World Cup had never been there, because then we wouldn't know anything about it. There would have been no pressure, there would have been no outside influence, and they would have been able to go along on their, uh, you know, on their merry way with, uh, you know, with with their own views, which don't necessarily tally up with those of ours in the West. Um, there's a whole, that's a whole different area of philosophy and geopolitical thinking that you could get into there. But you know, the reality is that they, you know, that there is huge wealth there, and we experience it every day. You know, I think people will often talk about, uh, you know, not watching the World Cup because it's on in Qatar, but then they'll go out for a drive instead, and they'll drive a car which is powered by and fueled by oil which has come out of Saudi Arabia or gas which has come out of Qatar and Dubai and the Emirates and everything else. So sport gets a, a hard rap on this. Uh, you know, we are we are exposed to and supporting uh, regimes from Saudi Arabia all across the Middle East in every way in which we live our lives in the Western world. So, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's wise to actually take a step back and just see, you know, maybe don't give sport quite such a hard time over it.
And this leads me on to my next point in regards to Saudi Arabian investing, and it's kind of a sports entertainment point of view because the World Wrestling Federation, or the World Wrestling Entertainment as it's called now, recently had its founder return to the board in the form of uh, Vincent McMahon, and uh, he took the company into the public stock exchange back in 2001, and now it's looking to sell the company with possible Saudi Arabian owners and to take it back to private. However, the problem therein lies is that WWE have many female performers and indeed when they have their shows over in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia the female performers were initially not performing and then they had to cover up and so forth so is there a bit of concern with when as you quite rightly said that the attention that this brings on the ethics of a different country is it it somewhat doesn't seem worth it in, in, in some respects do you know things things can you know, things can advance at a fairly rapid pace? Um, again, the you know the Saudis invested in the in the women's uh, golf tours. Yeah. So in both the you know the ladies European tour and in the in the PGA tour in America, and they hosted an event in Saudi Arabia, which was uh, you know for the best of the best because there was a lot of money involved in it. There was a great investment went into to the infrastructure. And there was no sense there that women should, uh, you know, dress differently in terms of how they were, you know, going out onto the golf course or anything else. So, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that might not have been the case. But as, you know, Saudi Arabia has perhaps opened up to the world and it has looked to, you know, to become involved in sport and in entertainment and in other areas, uh, it has itself uh, begun to move in a, you know, in a much more, uh, you know, Western perhaps uh, direction, so that uh, so that they're not creating the same level of restrictions. They're bringing tournaments uh, into their own country and allowing those tournaments to be run exactly as if they were being run down in Kilkenny or on the cover of Kildare. And you know that can only be a good thing. And speaking of massive tournaments been run in different countries, you had the Women's World Cup coming up in 2023. Ireland indeed qualified due to an Amber Barrett goal. Well, due to a lot of the work beforehand, but Amber Barrett getting that goal against Scotland. Has female sport become a lot more marketable? Because there's this constant strive for equal pay. We know the US men's and women's soccer teams have certainly uh, been able to do that. And even at our national level, there will be a, a payment made to the Women National League players and stuff. So has, has, has female soccer become a lot more marketable in recent times? Oh, it has, and women's sport. I mean, it's come from a low base, but the acceleration of value, of interest, of engagement uh, has really kicked off over the last, possibly even the last sort of, you know, 12, 24 months. We saw it in the Euros, which was staged in England and won by England, viewed all around the world. Uh, every match shown live on, on RTE here, in Ireland as well. And, you know, there's a real sense that the, that the women's game and women's sport in general is proving a really good, fertile ground for, for brands to invest in, for broadcasters to get involved in, and for fans to really buy into it. I was writing only this morning about the, uh, the, the Indian Premier League in cricket and the rights, the domestic rights in India have been bought for that, the women's version of it, at a, at a price point of over 100 million euros. So that could have been unheard of only a, only a decade ago. And yet now, that's the kind of thing. It's like it's, it's worth 20 million a year for the broadcast rights for the Women's Premier League in Indian cricket. That's, that's the way that it's moving. You know, women's sport is, uh, you know, is, is brilliant to watch. It's different, but we need to stop judging it along the same basis as the, as the men's game. 
and you know watching the game in uh, in Glasgow when Amber Barrett did score that goal and a brilliant setup through. Uh, you know, from Denise O'Sullivan, you know, the manager of Vera Pau is a kind of a national legend already in the shape of uh, of what Jack Salton used to be. Uh, you know, the summer in July and August in Melbourne, in Perth and Sydney is going to be the highlight of the sporting year, guaranteed. And uh, and, it, and it's brilliant to see. Yeah, it's it's fantastic just to, to to be able to witness that. I've, I myself was only really conscious in, in terms of my adult or adolescent life during the 2022 or the 2002 World Cup and Robbie Keane's goal against Germany and it was just a tremendous experience and thankfully we're going to get to experience another World Cup this year and before I let you go Rob Rob, um, fantastic work on Sports for Business and we have the Goff Tiestes chase coming up in uh, just about two weeks in Kilkenny the race that stops the county and I'd love to get your thoughts on how much reverence does it have within the world of sport to have, say, Goff's name attached to such a big race and such a historic race? And, and how much of a um, benefit is that to Goff's? Jeez, I thought you were going to ask me for the winner there for a moment. <laughs> I, I, would, I, would have steer, I would have steered you not far out of the county in just whatever Willie Mullins entry. But yeah. it's, a, it is, it's a great race. It's a, you know, it's a national race. And it's got international reach in terms of, you know, there will be horses that will be running in it that could turn out at Cheltenham, that could turn out in the Grand National. Uh, you know, so the English racing public is looking at it as well. Uh, you know, Goss is a big multinational company. They, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're cute in terms of how they invest their money in areas that they're going to be seen. And even though it may feel very much like, a, you know, like a, a local race, uh, you know, for Goran, I can remember, uh, you know, many, many years ago now being down um, for the, it was the Red Mills uh, champion hurdle trial uh, at one stage. And Danoli was running a famous horse, legendary horse trained by Tom Foley down there locally. And the place was only heaving. There was a huge crowd down there just to see this one superstar horse. And, uh, you know, once... Once you get that kind of engagement from, from the local people and you can see that on an international stage, uh, you know, it just shows that Kilkenny is about more than camogie and, uh, and, and hurling as well and that you've got plenty going on down there. Rob, once again, I could talk to you all day about this because it's such uh, an interesting topic and we're no doubt going to continue to see naming rights for stadiums to be changed. We have UPMC Nolan Park here and Chadwick's Wexford Park and indeed Etihad Stadium and you're going to have competitions with name changes. It was previously the Carling Cup and now it's the Carabao Cup. So it's it's an ever-evolving, really interesting topic and I really thank you for coming on and speaking with us from Sport for Business. Uh, Just before we go, if you could let people know what Sport for Business is, it would be tremendous. Sure, Shane. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Yeah, we publish a, a daily uh, news digest all about the commercial world of sport and we host events uh, You know that bring together sponsors, uh, government officials, sporting organisations. We've got one on next Thursday up in the RDS uh, where we have uh, Larry McCarthy, who's the president of the GAA, We've got Porig Power, the Chief Commercial Officer of the IRFU, and I'm really excited about this. We have Vera Howe uh, talking about wow. her uh, trip to Australia in the summer. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for the listeners' point of view, it's all sold out. Um, we'll be uh, we'll, we'll be having people standing in the aisles uh, for that, and that's a great thing. So that's that's what we do. We kind of bring people together. 
uh, in sport and sponsorship. Uh, from my point of view, I set it up 11 years ago and it gives me the opportunity to think, talk and write about sport every day of the week and I wouldn't swap it for the world. Rob, it sounds incredibly fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and uh, really wish you the best uh, of luck with that event in the RDS, January 26th. It is sold out, but uh, no doubt it's going to be a fascinating day. Thank you very much, Shane. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Hartnett from Sports from Business. We'll have that full interview on Scoreline Extra just a bit later on, but really fascinating stuff. There's lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Extremely exciting weekend of action in the Greyhound racing world with lots of action taking place tonight and over the weekend. Of course, Kilkenny's cart will be on tonight instead of last night was postponed due to the weather of course and the 10 race card will take place instead tonight in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium with the first race at 7.30pm what a treat it is to have racing on a Saturday night in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium we're looking forward to that card let's first focus on Shelburne Park before coming back to local racing in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium where tonight in Shelburne Park we have a fascinating guard and lots of locally connected runners here in the finals tonight race 7 the Talking Dogs A1 525 final where Mert Lai has Johnny's Gym in action here fantastic race last week staying on strongly doing 28.82 for the Gym Spring Syndicate of Jerkinstown so best to look the, the Gym Spring Syndicate Mert Lai and all connections of Johnny's Gym running from Trap 3 in the Talking Dogs A1525 final. Really exciting stuff and a very, very fast greyhound in Johnny's Gym. He's £80, the son of Droopy's Sydney. In the immediate race after that, we have two locally connected greyhounds in this one with Stories Cash Out for Myrtle Eye also running from Trap 2 in the upcoming events a0550 final 2000 euro to the winner here and a prize fund in excess of 4000 euro overall fascinating competition indeed stories cash out finished third last week staying on strongly has a victory in 2832 around children park of course owned by gavin amani wonderful supporter of the greyhound racing game so best of luck to gavin and Myrtle, who also has lou jano in trap five in the upcoming events a0550 final Fascinating race from her last week, winning in 29.94. Really, really good run. And she's a very, very exciting prospect for the Club of Champions Syndicate tonight in the final. So best to look to Stories Cash Out, Lugeno, Mertlai and all his team in the finals tonight and all connections of those locally connected runners. In Shelburne Park, as we said, tonight we have a fascinating 10 race card in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium having been postponed from last night and we are really looking forward to tonight's card in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. We also had fantastic news with Frightful Flash Kennels coming back on board to sponsor the McCalmon Cup which will begin on March 3rd. €5,000 to the winner of that one. Fantastic prize money and really, really wonderful to see that will take place as we said March 3rd. The first round of that one. Lots of exciting action and sweepstakes and fundraisers, of course, coming up in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. And it's a wonderful, wonderful night out and a wonderful place to have your fundraiser if you're fundraising for your charity, organisation, GA club or whatever organisation you might be part of. It's a fantastic 
opportunity for fundraising and lots of fundraisers coming up in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium in the next few weeks and months ahead. So as we said, 10 race card in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium tonight. The weigh-in will take place between 6.30 and 7pm with no official trials before racing. 10 race card and the highlight on the card tonight is the Talking Dogs A2525 competition, the first round getting underway tonight and of course you can keep up to date with all the action on the talking dogs tab on the grireland.ie website www.grireland.ie fantastic place to get your greyhound racing news so as we said three heats of the talking dogs a2525 competition tonight really really intriguing competition carl ramsbottom has deadly kyogo in the first heat the likes of Ballygorhenzo running in trap 5 for William Hanlon, a very shrewd operator indeed. 22 races and 8 wins. Fantastic, fantastic strike rate. Thomas Buggy is in action in the second heat with Hare Leary. What a fantastic servant he's been for connections to date. Really, really impressive performer. 7 wins from 23 outings. Mert Leahy has Ballantino Show in trap 4 in the second heat. Fantastic, fantastic greyhound for the no-show syndicate of Callan. In the third heat, we have the likes of a foil bridge for Mert Lahey, Kilgraine Leo for Thomas Buggy, Belligar Bale for William Hannon, Liam Peacock has Bogger Lucky in trap four. Very, very exciting prospect here. Only a June 21 pup, one in 29, await on its second outing in Kilkenny Ground Stadium and looks to have a big chance in the third heat of tonight's Talking Dogs A2 competition. As we said, first race underway at 7.30 in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium tonight. Ten race card. And we're looking forward to a fantastic night of racing in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. And best of luck to all locally connected runners in Shelburne Park as well tonight. Fantastic weekend of Greyhound Racing ahead. That's been Scoreline Extra. I've been a very busy guy. You can check out all the updates on everything that we've discussed here in this podcast on scorelink.ie right about now. Thanks very much for listening. Continue to tune in throughout the year because it's only going to ramp up and get even more manic, and that's the way we like it. Stay safe, stay sane, and don't forget, your sound out. (laughs) 